All right, welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. You know, he hasn't been on the show in a while. I'm really looking forward to doing this. Uh, Forfus, thank you so much for joining us. Bro, what the fuck's this in China? <laughs> that's that's fifty. That's fifty A. You know, I knew this wasn't gonna take long. So uh, this is such a useless <laughs> fucking gun. But god damn it, I'd use it in a zombie apocalypse. Hey, it's nice but it's nice though. I well no, you know what? I I've been wanting to do a podcast with you for a while. Uh Forfest Jason is a you know resident gunslinger, uh, dear friend of mine. Don't see him often enough. It's no, uh, enough. you know it's it's so so good uh, to see you again and to have conversation. And as uh, many uh, a time, uh, the best conversations happen before I turn this thing on, but not this time. I've uh, <laughs> I've I've got four fully charged batteries in it. Coach Nick would be so pleased with me. I've got a card that has got plenty of room on it. Uh, barring any unforeseen acts of God, we're going to get through a podcast today, you and I, because uh, again, I don't see you often enough, and I, I always love seeing you, and I like talking to you about things yeah, like this time frames and work and you know covid and shit you're you're a busy guy and uh, i know that uh, it's pretty tough to nail you down but i, I gotta get out and do some shooting with you it's yeah. been it's been way too long yeah. you know, when was the last time you pulled the trigger Ooh, shit uh actually the last time i saw you uh we were at the range and we were doing that long range oh that was that was there with ago. uh uh, I remember, uh, Dave. Yeah, it was it was still hot out. Yeah, it was summertime. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was like August or something like wow. that. Wow, uh, dude, has quickly. it been that? Has it been that long? Has it been like almost like six months since you've done any trigger work? Uh, if these pictures are correct, November eighth, twenty twenty. What? No, yeah, that that is the last time. I, yeah, that is the last time I pulled the trigger. Wow, November eighth. And, and you and I, you and I saw a trade each other at least a month or two before that yeah it was, it was hot yeah it was probably like august or september or yeah something like that. that was that was the day that dave uh cerventi came on out with us and he was doing he was doing his uh his long range work i love watching him shoot a 200 yard gong yeah he's he's uh he's come a long way yeah uh since he's uh he started like when i first met him i think he just bought his ruger yeah and he was trying to um he was trying to get it all dialed in when yeah. I first met him. Um, he was shooting 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his, his groupings were all right. They were all right. And, you know, he was all like, oh, you know, I, uh, I want to get to the point where I'm not, like, you know, doing groupings like what you're doing. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> it'll happen in two more sessions, man. Yeah. He's just, you know. Taking the time to you know your trigger control. Kids, and your kids got talent. Eh? He does. He's 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 a natural for it, man. Like he was he was doing stellar. And then the the time that we were there, when you were there, and yeah. we were all talking, uh, his groupings had gone from like two inch groupings to half inch. You know, between yeah. half inch to an inch at two hundred, no problem. Yeah. He was shooting good, and nah, so, solid dude, solid dude. I, yeah. I, I I barely get to see him. I I, I barely get to talk to him. Yeah. But um. I, I enjoy shooting with him. He's, yeah. he's stellar to shoot with. Great, great guy. Takes a good picture too. I've uh, and, and I love the way he gets his uh, camera phone behind the scopes. Yeah, he, he showed me a trick to that because I was always yeah. wondering like how people were doing that. Because um, I'm, 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 I can be good and horrible with a camera at yeah. times. Um, he was like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "You, uh, so you got an iPhone?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, all you gotta do is you just gotta take uh, take my cheap little piece of shit spotting scope, line up to the target, zoom in like." 
2.5 yeah he's like line it up just right dude you'll get a clear picture I'm yeah like, what no man is that how you do you gotta zoom in so i zoom in i put the thing on i'm like oh my god man, that's stellar yeah and he's like yeah he's like if you put it in slow-mo you can actually catch the bullet hitting the target yeah yeah or, then, or see the heat trails yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a couple of them man where you can just see the trail coming right off the bullet making the impact i'm like dude that's that's fucking stellar yeah actually that's yeah that one or one of them yeah, good times. We're just we're just yeah. looking through some pictures, and yeah, you know what? A lot of great memories at the range. A lot of great people at the range. Uh, you know, Dave, awesome natural shooter. Uh, I was really surprised when I asked him how long he'd been doing it. And yeah, it he, he was like, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been long, long right? I was I was like, long. Jesus, you're coming along, and some people just take to it like ducks to water. It's, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, you know, rifle shooting, uh, obviously precision shooting, you know, requires. Um, uh, serious degree of focus. Yeah. And I, th I don't think people understand. Like when you, when you set up your gun and you get on the bench and you forget about everything else that's going on in the world and you just completely, you know, narrow your focus to you and that target, it's, it's pretty therapeutic. I call it loud yoga. Definitely. Um, there's a times where I, I, I go to the range and I go with my long guns only or a long gun where I typically I, I go to the range and I got the entire safe in the back of the truck yeah. besides <laughs> the long guns because I hate carrying them. Yeah. Um, they, they, they weigh a ton and I live in an apartment yeah. and going to the eighth floor with all that junk is a pain in the ass. Yeah. I literally use a dolly. Um, I'll take the long guns just because it's I just want peace and serenity and <laughs> happiness and I go because I want to relax. Yeah. Um, when, when I go, well, when we could go with the ARs, yeah. um, it was like three ARs were in the truck, um, probably five or six handguns, which some people are going to be all like, you know, you should only train with one gun, but uh, yeah. fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should be able to pull the trigger on anything. That's yeah. my, that's my philosophy. Yeah. And I, I get a lot of people that do that to me all the time. They'll be like, why do you bring so many guns to the range? It's like, oh, cause I, I get bored very, very quickly. And I want to mix up, you know, different types of ammo. It'd be like 44, 45, nine mil, uh, two, two, three, five, six, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I want that variety because I go from training mode to, I just want to throw and sling lead like crazy. And then I just start doing whatever and I don't care. But when I'm bringing ARs and the handguns and stuff to the range, it's, uh, I'm planning on going to make noise. Yeah. I, I want to make noise. Uh, I just want to be destructive and all over the place. And those allow me to get that energy out of me. Whereas my long gun shooting is, uh, I want to go throw my mat down. I rarely ever shoot off the bench. Um, there's, it's not natural for me. Prone is the way to go. Mm -hmm. And any long range shooter will know that. Um, but when I, when I get down on the mat, I just want to chill, relax, just lay there, take a shot, chill, take a nap, <laughs> grab a pillow, eat a sandwich, take a shot, <laughs> go back, sleep. Yeah, it's you know what? It's true. It, you know what? If you've ever been shooting with Forfus, it, it's true. You 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 really do go from uh, a very almost like meditative state on the long range fields too i've seen you you really do like blasting away and that's and that's something that i think uh, a lot of people in our um 
legal firearm community try and you know avoid talking about but the truth is is sometimes you just want to pull the trigger and you know uh, feel the kick smell the powder and you know there is something to be said for you know shooting quickly just for the sake of shooting quickly uh, I remember when I was young I god I burned through ammo and I didn't have a lot of money earning you know like four or fifty an hour you know as a, as a gas station attendant and a uh, pallet maker at the local steel plant you know, I remember going through my ammo awful fast. And for everybody out there that really, really wants 30 round magazines back, I could tell you that after you start, <laughs> after you start to go through, you know, your, uh, <clears throat> you know, accounting, you'll, you'll notice that you can really burn through the money very quickly with 30 round magazines. I remember back in the, in, in the nineties, prior to the magazine capacity limitations, uh, imposed by law to five rounds for a magazine back when you can have thirties, I was loading them 10 at a time I found myself breaking my magazine you know 10 10 in this one 10 in that one and you know I was saving a lot of money uh, because when I used to go with 30 rounders back in the day it was like blam 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 okay I guess I'm going home right like especially if there was nobody else at the range yeah and from, because of the timeline when I started shooting uh, legitimately mm. um obviously those magazines weren't in existence well they're in existence but you know yeah um, so I'm, I'm stuck to like 10 rounds in a handgun. I'm stuck to five rounds in the AR and how many other rounds and whatever else. I find that like, especially like when I'm, when I'm training with, with the ARs, I keep saying when, and when I used to be able to train with ARs. Yeah. God. It's, t- it, it's, t- it's asses. tough. How hard um, is it walking past the safe and going, fuck, I want to bring that one out today. Honestly, in the last year, or I can't even say year since, since May, um, this is literally the last couple of weeks is the first time I've actually had my hand on a handgun. Yeah. Um, since that ban came into effect, um, it, it turned my stomach so badly that, uh, the only time I ever open up my safe is to grab my long guns and to go use them at the range. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, otherwise I have not physically touched my ARs mm-hmm. since May. Like physically, I have literally, I, I think I made a couple of posts after the band kicked in yeah. and not to get too political or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I just, I, I haven't touched them. It's just the... I don't want to get used to touching them. I don't want to see them. I just, it, there's a lot, I got a lot of money in ARs in my safe. Um, only three of them actually. Yeah. And all three have cost me about 5,000 bucks each. Um, so I'm just looking at that money and it just turns my stomach. So yeah, I stayed away from them. And for some reason, because I'm staying away from them made me stay away from the handguns. And that's mostly because every time I go to the range, even though I, 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 I go to do the, crazy blast shoot as fast as i can just for shits and giggles i also go to train properly typically when i go to the range with my handguns and my ars during the daytime there's a lot of traffic a lot of people um i'll just stick to planking um accurate shooting Mm -hmm. and that's it yeah and then once the the traffic slows down um more to the evening time and there's really nobody on a set range that i'm on that's when i'll start going into transitional training between you know transition between the ar and the handgun back and forth uh working from pulling from the holster working off the sling um that's when i'll start doing that stuff because nobody's around and it allows me to get a a head of the bench and move around and do more tactical style training 
but because my AR has been taken away from me, mm-hmm. it's kind of taken the whole transitional thing, which, you know, anybody that trains with the handguns probably would be like, well, you don't always have an AR. Yeah. So you need to train with the handgun alone and yeah. working just with the handgun, which is absolutely true. It just, it, it sucked that enjoyment away from me that yeah. I, I should be able to do both. And now I can't do both. So it's kind of be all like, fuck this shit. I don't, I don't even want to touch my damn handguns. So until recently, um, I've had absolutely no want and no desire to even look at my handgun. So I haven't, I haven't touched them. I haven't used them. Mm-hmm. I've done absolutely zero handgun work since May. I have not pulled a single trigger on a handgun since. That, you know, isn't, isn't that sad that, you know, a guy like you can have the life sucked out of your, you know, lifestyle. Uh, so, so easily, it seems, you know, they just... Because are, one asshole decides to make a sweep of a fucking pen. Yeah, <laughs> honest, right? right? Yeah, like, I mean, you get, you get... You get this change in law, folks, if you're just joining us for the first time. Uh, the Liberal government decided by way of uh, orders in council to uh, arbitrarily, they, they'll say that it was because of the Nova Scotia shooter, but as we well know, um, the types of guns that they've banned and uh, the type of person that the shooter was, he was never supposed to have firearms. He should have never been in possession of firearms. He was not a legal gun owner, something that they did not want to talk about for the longest time. The truth is, is he's not part of our community and uh, our community is never uh, seemingly involved in, in any kind of criminal activity, let alone violent offenses involving firearms. Um, but the OIC that the Liberals imposed took away uh, AR-15 owners. And I mean, you could think they're a scary rifle, but they're just like any other, more or less. They took away specifically AR-15 rifles and 1,500 other items, uh, you know, firearms, bazookas, uh, missile launchers, uh, javelin rockets, <laughs> you know, <laughs> All these things. Oh, you didn't know, man. I have two javelins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to get the RCMP knocking down your door over a joke. Be careful, buddy. Right? No. So, so, so the AR 15 owners, people who have spent arguably anywhere from, you know, what, $600 $600 all the way to five or 10,000. Yeah. So, so with an average, with an average price range of being about $1,200 probably per per rifle. So, so imagine, folks, if you own something, you know, that was $1,200, it cost you $1,200. You love using it. You don't, use it for anything bad uh you're licensed to use it you went through all the government training background checks nobody from our community is ever involved in violent crimes that you're seeing in the metropolitan cities so you're basically just a a good person who just happens to have made the mistake of um enjoying a certain type of firearm and you use it for target shooting and competitive shooting and you know you you worked on it maybe you built it but you've got about twelve hundred dollars invested in this thing and it was totally okay for you to own it for the last 60 years if you were lucky enough to be around that long and uh, but now suddenly whatever it is that you love and that you find a lot of therapeutic value in and you enjoy and you're proud of suddenly gets yanked out of your hands by the government uh, for something that has nothing to do with you and and this is the hallmark move of you know uh, any dictatorship is take guns away from good people <laughs> like I mean it's not doing anything to solve the crime in uh, downtown Toronto but we're going to take guns away from the people that will never use them in crimes that makes total sense so now you've got guys like you know Forfus and myself and and literally uh, you know a hundred thousand other people affected uh, by these bans and you're not able to use these things that you bought and paid for and that you ordinarily enjoy because they have no uh, sporting purpose or legitimate hunting purpose whatsoever. Uh, you know, unless, of course, you're an indigenous native uh, Canadian, in which case you can keep your guns just like 
weekend for the duration of the two-year amnesty period. But if you're a member of the Native community, you can use them for sporting and hunting purposes. So they're, they're not, they have no sporting purpose, but they do if you happen to be uh, part of the indigenous population here in Canada. So like this, this new OIC is fraught with all kinds of errors, it seems, and uh, horrible jumps you know, in logic, like, I don't know why, you know, uh, they would ban something that looks like an AR-15 when it's not an AR-15. Uh, I really don't know why this government decided that it was going to arbitrarily crush, you know, the spirits of, uh, you know, a lot of good Canadians that have never done anything wrong. So people like Forfus and myself, uh, are unable to use these things that we enjoy. And uh, of course we have a, a two year you know, amnesty period. So it's like they're going to give us some portion of the value, they say, uh, in this buyback program, which is really not a buyback because we never bought it from them in the first place. That's just a polite way of saying confiscation. Yeah, pretty much. Right. So basically, you know, you we're asking people to, you know, respect the law and turn in their guns. Well, it's not for sale. That's what most gun owners, legal gun owners, are chanting. It's, well, it's not for sale. Uh, they, they'll probably give us some fraction of its true value, not that it could ever have a price tag hung on it, because I'll tell you right now, <clears throat> if my AR-15s were for sale to the government, they would cost them way more than they could ever imagine. I really do love the idea of keeping my AR-15s and being able to use them again. I, re I really want to start using them again. I, I miss using my AR-15s. The dough... The dough is dying to be in a stranger's hands, oh. uh, right? That little that little gun, the communal whore, <laughs> AR-15. That, that little gun is you and that little gun. <laughs> what? Fuck you, dude. You cost me so much fucking money. <laughs> what? No. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. I, I, I used to love leaving the AR-15 was the communal gun. Uh, we used to bring it to one of our local ranges and, you know, leave it in, in an area where, you know, people... Um, you know, we're in a position to ask me if they could use it. And I, I, I told everybody that was willing, you know, to try AR-15s. I didn't even ask you. You're yeah, I know. Hey, man, Here. I'm Mark. Who are you? I'm Jay. Hey, man, you, you want to try to shoot you, this fucking thing? You, oh, all right, sure. Oh, you're going to love it. Man, Why? That you, goddamn day cost I told so you, much I, freaking money. I told you it was quiet. I, it was, it's a fun gun to shoot. And, and, and everybody that tries it, I love introducing people to the dough because it takes all the, the frightening uh, sort of stigma surrounding the air 15 platform out of it like it's just a, such a cute little gun and anybody that's ever seen the dough before we have a youtube video on it it's a little 7.5 inch barreled you know 80 80s retro uh you know uh, carrying handle ar-15 so it's this little tiny tiny nine millimeter ar-15 and it's a, a lot of fun to shoot and certainly we've used it to a great effect to uh teach people the joys of ar-15 ownership and operation and and it, it really does take a lot of the noise out of it so people can really actually enjoy it a lot more uh, but I really miss, I'm really miss taking that thing out. Every time I go into the safe and I realize I can't bring it with me, it, it, it just a small part of me dies. It, oh, it sucks. It does. It, it's all mentally draining. Uh, it, I used to take my air to the range Yeah. and there's always somebody different there. And, uh, I remember once we, I was, I was, I was, on, I was at Silverdale at the action range when it was still the action range and you could use ARs or rifles in general speaking yeah. on that range. Um, and there was a father there with his two daughters and I'd been using my, uh, short barreled SAS AR mm -hmm. that's got, uh, what was it a uh, phase five tactical muzzle brake on it? And this thing is 
deafeningly loud. <laughs> like you, you rapid fire with this thing, man, and people run away from you because this goddamn thing is so fucking loud. It's a sound it generator. Just, it just reverbs off of everything. <laughs> so these these little girls, I think one was like. She had to be like nine. I think the other girl was like 11. They were really, really young and they were really, really small. And he was teaching them, you know, like how to shoot handguns and stuff. And they were, you know, they were having a blast. So me being me, I just, I just randomly, I had this thing that was like randomly picking like the younger generation out of yeah. nowhere. I just walk over to be all like, Good hey, has your kid ever shot a rifle before? Uh, no. I'm like, well, I got this AR over there. If they want to shoot it, they can shoot it. Mm-hmm. And he was all like, really? I'm like, yeah, man. So I, I, I go over to this, you know, this gentleman and I'm like, Hey man, I'm like, uh, like if your daughter's ever shot any ARs, he's like, no, no, they haven't. I'm like, what are they shooting right now? And they're like, Oh, they're shooting like 22s. They're shooting a couple nine mils out of the handguns. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, if they want, you know, they can run this thing. And he was all like, really? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, it's a normal day at the range. Just like always. And he asked his daughter and his daughter looked at that thing and she's like, Oh, hell no. Really? Oh hell no! She, yeah, and it's it's just the she's been hearing what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. She's looking at it, and to her, it's just like it's you know the the scary AR, which is fine. Like I, I understand when people are afraid of them. They are intimidating looking guns, mm-hmm. and for someone that's younger and doesn't know what the hell they're looking at, it's an intimidating gun. It absolutely is. It's one of the reasons why we like the damn thing. Yeah, because it's a scary, freaky it's looking a cool, gun. It's a cool looking. Unit. It, it, like mechanically looking, it's badass. Mm. That's why we buy them. It's badass. I don't give a fuck if you're an AK fan. An AR looks insanely more badass than an AK does. Oh my god! There's somebody standing on a chair right now saying, "What the fuck? This guy doesn't know what fuck he's talking guy, about." Man. Yeah, well, guess <laughs> you what? My, my SAS freaking AR-15 literally <laughs> runs under mud. So take that shit and shove it up your ass. Oh my god! And it's been proven. Only if we had video of it. I'm I'm like sure that. right now Brian would be going nuts because he's a huge AK fan. You guys would have an argument that would last we're, an hour. It's fine. Like I, I don't mind AKs. I don't mind them at all. If you want to. You know, use thirty rounds to hit one side of a barn. Yeah. Um. But I, I looked at the I looked at the girl and I was like, look, I'm like, I, I understand it looks scary, but I'm telling you right now, it is very easy to shoot. I'm mm-hmm. like, unfortunately, it's a very heavy AR. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm like, if, if you want me to prove it to you, I will literally put the buttstock on my forehead and I will pull the trigger and it will not hurt. I'm like, you can shoot this like a joke, and. She, she kind of giggled when I said I would put it on my forehead and pull the trigger. And she thought I was joking because I would put it on my forehead and pull the trigger. Um, I'm like, I wouldn't give it to you if it would hurt you. I, I, I'm not going to do or convince you to do anything that's going to cause you pain in any way. And I guess something that I said convinced her. And yeah. she she picked it up. She's like, you are right. It is heavy. I'm like, if you want, you know, you can put the magazine on the table and just shoot off the bed. Yeah. Um, she grabbed the mag. She loaded it up. She got on it. She pulled the trigger. And as soon as she pulled the first round off, she just stopped. She looked at me like, oh, yeah. man. And then she just emptied the mag. And then she's like, can I do that again? And I'm like, yeah, man, absolutely. And she ran it again. And then she gave it to her younger sister. And when they realized that they were behind the rifle now and they're not sitting off to the side of this god-awful muzzle brake and just smashed by it, it sounds so much more different when you're behind it you couldn't get them off of it. And yeah. they just kept shooting it and shooting it and shooting it. And at the point, there's one point where their dad was like, okay, um, <laughs> this is costing this guy ammo. And I'm looking at him like, bro, man, I hand load this shit. This is dime a yeah. dozen, man. I had yeah. thousands of rounds at the range. You know, I always go packed, stacked full of stuff. And they were just, they were using it. I, that's 
what bugs me is that now I can't do that. Sure, I can do that with any other gun that I have. Absolutely, yeah. I can. And actually, the last time I was at the range, there was a dude there shooting long range. I had my 338 Lapua, mm -hmm. and his son was there shooting with him. Yep. Son had to be same thing. He was about eleven or twelve years old, mm -hmm. and he was shooting twenty two, um, and he was shooting. Yeah, impressively enough, he was shooting twenty two at two hundred yards. Oh really? So if this kid's hitting targets at two hundred yards with a twenty two, mind you, like the groupings were absolutely massive, yeah. but he was hitting shit at two hundred yards. He's the kid's capable. He's capable. Yeah, I can go fuck. He's yeah. capable. <laughs> um. I, we're all walking down the range and I, we're changing targets and I looked at his father and I was like, hey man, I'm like, what's the biggest caliber your kid's ever shot? He's like, oh, he's, he's pretty much used by 308 and that's, and that's about it. I'm like, how did he like it? He's like, oh, not bad. Still a little big for him, but not bad. I was like, well, hey man, if you want, when we get back, I got a 338 up there. If he wants to, you know, try firing off, you know, one or two rounds with a 338, you know, at least he can go home and say, hey man, I've shot a big boring you know, old Magnum freaking gun. He's done it. He's all, he looked at his kid and he was all like, you want to do it? And he's all like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, kid doesn't know what a 338 yeah. is, right? And he, we, we you, show, you, show, you show him the bullet first? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, man, this is what your dad's shooting? Think. I'm like, this is what you're shooting now. Bam. He's like, what the fuck? And like, and the, the beauty about my 338 is that the damn thing weighs, at the last time I weighed it was 26.7 pounds. Oh. She's a beastie bitch. You would, it's yeah. pretty much a savage, uh, savage arms, uh, 338 action barrel inside of an MDT ACC chassis. And it's got its full weight system on it. So the inside of the rail is all weights. Both sides of the rail are all weights. It's got a buttstock weight in the back plus a bag rider. So by the time it's all said and done, this thing weighs 26.7 pounds. It's a big. It is <laughs> an absolute beast to just pick it up off the ground. Yep. It weighs a ton. So I'm like, dude, I'm like, because of that, and I forget who makes my muzzle break. I think it's like American Precision or some shit like that. But yeah. beautiful muzzle break. Thing mm -hmm. works phenomenally well. Uh, you get behind this thing, and it feels like you're shooting a 308 with a muzzle break. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is it's easy as hell to Cut, shoot. Cuts it, cuts it that way. Oh, much. yeah, big time. So you take an inexperienced shooter, and you put them behind that they're, yeah. they're going to get the feel of this is a magnum rifle yeah it's got a particular recoil to it but it doesn't want to send you across the freaking room like a 338 should with no break on it. little little shove yeah a little shove right this kid got behind this thing got them all set up on it because you know the gun's beautifully adjustable mm -hmm. and i'm like well i'm like you're over there shooting 200 yards with a scope so you know how the scope works he's like mm -hmm. yeah i'm like so i don't need it to explain to you how to use a scope so I'm just, you tell me where your eye relief is in the scope and when you're ready and I will adjust everything to make it work for you. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, you know, it took a couple of minutes. I'm like, all right. So now you get on the gun and how do you feel? He's like, good. I'm yeah. like, you see the target? He's like, yeah. And he's looking at like this 10 inch steel gong, 200 yards hanging up in the bunker. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, man. I'm like, whenever you are ready, you just pull that trigger, dude. And uh, you may see it hit. If not, you're going to hear it hit. Yeah. Because I think I was using AR 600 steel at that point. Um, yeah, Davey always comes around with a six. Yeah. yeah so I, I had the same steel from the same guy from ABOB Targets. Um, so I had that hanging up. I'm like, you'll hear it. If you hit it, you'll hear it. And within a couple of seconds, that kid pulled the trigger. It's an instant freaking hit. And all you hear is a dong from the background. Mm -hmm. 
the kid just comes off this fucking smile on that kid's face yeah. was insane. And he's just looking at me and I'm all like, hey man, you want to send another one? Send another one. So the kid's like, yeah. yeah. And he, he sent another one, hit it, hits it again. And the kid's just got like this shit-eating grin from ear to ear. His dad's videotaping it and stuff. And yeah. Just- that 338 really hits the steel hard. Like there's a noticeable difference between it and like 308. Oh yeah. When you, when you, you know. watch it on a video, you just, Oh yeah. You, 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 you can tell you're, you're landing uh, a good, uh, a good size chunk, you know, with some authority. Actually, uh, typically, uh, I got nothing against anybody's target. Um, and I realize what I'm doing is a little bit mean to the targets, yeah. but you're, you're hitting AR, 500 or AR6, even the 600, um, at that distance, I find that typically by the time I have hit one of these targets anywhere between 25 to 50 times, the target it done. Toast? It's done. Really? It is. It is absolutely even the si- Even the six? Even the six. Really? Even the six. Wow. Um, and I, I've done, just for my own personal pleasure of doing shits and giggle testing, yeah. uh, I bought a target from, Ch- from Bass Pro. It was a champion's target. Um, and it had the, the leather straps on it. And I figured the mm-hmm. leather straps, because if I put a hole through a leather strap, because I'm trying to do something fancy, fancy, like I'm just trying to clip the edge of the target. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I accidentally miss and I hit that leather strap, it's not going to tear it in half. It's just going to put a hole through it. Yep. But what I found is because of the leather, it, it makes the target very stiff. Oh, yeah. So the chains allow that flop. And that flop, it allows it to suck up a lot of that energy. Mm. So the target's not actually hit as hard hard if you use a chain yeah. where if you're kind of solidly mounting that target that target's taking an insane amount of energy because it's got yeah. nowhere to go the leather targets did that really so the, the the champion target that i have is it is folded in the middle <laughs> there's an obvious massive indentation in the middle where it had been hit 15 times that was it 15 shots 338 at 200 yards and there's it's concaved mm-hmm. i would guess probably about 10 more rounds and i'm punching a hole right through this thing and this is air 500 steel wow forget the thickness it's not like it's quarter inch thick it's like i think half inch thick or three eighths or whatever the that's, measurement that's, is. that's, that's a lot but of energy it's, it's that's a lot of energy thick. to do that buddy that's that's something what made me stop is because it was like a torso design target um mm-hmm. what made me stop shooting it was because of the the, the way it was hitting it and the way the leather was kind of folding over the edges of the target yeah. caused the leather to tear in half. Oh, wow. And it sheared the leather right off. Ooh. Clean. And so now things half flopping on the side. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to stop shooting that. And I hadn't realized the damage that it had done until I had gone down range and I picked up the target. And I was like, wait, um, yeah, it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely fucked. Um, I have AR-600 plates. They never fold it. They, they, they took the hits. The problem that I had, even and at that point, I wasn't using leather straps. I was just hanging up my chains, so it would take more energy. Um, the ears hanging onto the chains snapped them clean off. Really? Yeah. Clean off. Absolutely. I even got photos of it. Just snaps it off like it's nothing. Wow. Well, uh, we, you know what? We got we to gotta, we gotta resolve this issue. Like, wow. We got to find... We gotta sure. Find, right? Give me 800 yards. Yeah. 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 The problem is that we're trying to shoot... 
even though it is AR 600 or 500 steel, mm-hmm. it's still 200 yards. Yeah. And that, that, that round is sending an insane amount of energy at that distance. Like it hasn't even had time to slow down. And when I go from 100 yards to 200 yards, there is like virtually no drop in elevation between 100 to 200. So things cooking, like my rounds are, my insanely accurate rounds are running probably about 2750, which is somewhere around 308 range. And what's and what's the bullet weight? Uh, 250 grains. Is what I <laughs> Whereas my 308 is oh, 168 grains running the same speed. This thing's almost, you know, 100 grains heavier running the same speed at the same distance. Um, but my hot rounds that for the 338 are more like 3,000 feet a Ooh. second. They are cooking hot. Uh, typically, 330, you remember that? You're looking at like 2950 for a factory ammo. Okay, if you were shooting at a, a torso-sized target, what, what would be uh, uh, the kind of range you'd like to see? Like, I mean, if you had access to a long range around here, how much how much leg room would you want? Like, I mean, on a regular basis. Don't don't say all all I could offer, but like, I mean, what how what would be an ideal distance for you? Daily, daily, I'd love to see five. Really, daily five. Yeah, F- five, five. As any any long range shooter that would be listening, this would be all like five five's really not that far and no five isn't really that far like my 308 500 yards um i'll stack rounds in there all day long no problem but there's definitely a lot of changes going on and you'll notice those changes at 300 yeah 300 you really start to get changes and that's where the whole argument between 308 and 6.5 comes into play people that are oh you gotta buy 6.5 308's old you don't need that anymore they don't shoot enough and no. they don't shoot far enough. Um, 6.5 to 308, you'll notice a difference at 300 past. Before 300, you're not going to see relatively any difference between 308 to 6.5. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much going to hit and drop the same way. It's after that 300 that 6.5 starts to really sing, especially when you start going out to 1,000 yards. Okay. That it really fucking sings. And you noticeable a a huge difference. And then it's worth it to have that 6.5. It's not, for me, I don't have a 6.5. I've used it. Really? It's it's a good gun. I would have, I would have never thought. I I have thought about buying one and Mm -hmm. I would like to buy one, Mm -hmm. uh, just so I could do some work with it. Um, and I did a shoot last summer, um, out on private land with a couple of buddies, uh, just kind of doing like a private little, you know, between buddies kind of yeah. competition yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was fun as hell. Like we set up a bunch of steel targets. You know, obviously we were being like super, super safe. You know, we we're doing everything we could to make sure that you know nothing above and beyond mm-hmm. what we we're shooting at, and we we're going out to about 825 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yards or was it meters? Yards. It mm-hmm. was yards. Um, and there was two guys there, and they were both running 6.5. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they got on target at 800, they were stacking it. Really? They, they were absolutely stacking. Guy, guys love that round. I've never, I, I, I've shot it. Uh, I've never worked at ranges like that. I, I can tell you though that, you know, for the guys that really enjoy long range shooting, uh, like my buddy Jack, like he, he, he swears by that cartridge. Um, you know, I'm kind of old school myself. I, I appreciate a 308, um, well, it's it's hard for me to walk away from my 308 because my Savage has got about 5,000 rounds through it easily now. 5,000 plus rounds. 
And the last time I had it at the range, um, like I was looking at one of my targets, they're like, dude, he's like, that's a stellar grouping. And it was like one of my, like, you know, just at half an inch at 200 or below <laughs> half an inch at 200. And he's all like, dude, that's a stellar group. And I'm like, yeah, I can't complain about that. And especially for a gun that's got 5,000 rounds through it. Yeah. And the thing still groups like this. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's very hard for me to walk away from a rifle that still performs the way it performs. And that's not just due to the cartridge, but it's also how Savage made the gun. Like, mm-hmm. I give them like, you know, a lot of credit for the damn thing. Like I've done no work on that besides putting in a chassis. Yeah. So the action's got no work done to it. The barrel's got no work done to it. Besides me working the shit out of it, I have run that gun hot, cold. It's been dropped. It's been kicked. Like <laughs> you're that, that, that poor gun has been <laughs> so abused. I was just gonna say like, you're an abusive motherfucker because I remember that day you threw that air in the mud. I'll never forget that. It's a twenty. It's a twenty-two hundred dollar upper alone on this on this firearm. He says, "Yeah." He goes, "It's supposed to run in anything," and he drops his gun in the mud. Kicks it was mud water, right? and you you proceeded to drag the mud water over the gun, completely Im- immersing it in this this hole of slop. mud, right? It's slop. You shake it off and you you start running it, and I'm laughing because it's spraying mud everywhere. And that day, that was the mud bowl. Remember that one back in two yeah, that was that 2017 that, that mud was, bowl. Uh, that was we're, we're we're shooting at the action range, and the mud's flying back <laughs> on every everything. Was just everything it was raining mud. mud that day yeah all right and, and, and do you remember the clumps we were picking out of our that hair was, that, that was the um, somebody was across the range and they're all like oh you know ak's 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 running everything ar can't do that you motherfucker uh, you just had to say that shit eh? i i was laughing uh, though yeah. you 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 made my heart stop though when you dropped it in the mud but, oh, but i didn't give a fuck that was that was you know that was a great day that was definitely a lot of fun uh you know but I'll, I'll ask you this because you know what you you've you know done quite a bit with uh, the long range gun so i'll i'll ask you this best value uh, for for uh, somebody just getting into the game, wanting to get into long range, uh, you know, fun. What would you recommend would be a good value? Oh, be a and, savage. Sa- and, 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 yeah, it's, and then that's always going to be my answer. There's going to be a lot of people that you, you get people that have been shooting for a long time mm-hmm. and they have a relationship or or a known relationship. I'm moving my fingers like people can see this. <laughs> The air quotes. Air quotes. It's for public safety. Um, So Savage has got a reputation back in the day of being an absolutely god-awful firearm to buy, which is absolutely true. Like back in the, I believe it was like the 80s and shit, Um, which is true. Like the the, the product wasn't good or some of their products wasn't good or so I was told. And they just, they got, there's this stigma over them from back then mm-hmm. and, and this is why it drives me nuts when people are very close-minded and i can be close-minded too because i will never buy a norinko that's not true i have an m305 that is currently prohibited yeah um but there's a whole other story to that but yeah. um you, you gotta look at the product then and look at the product now the product now is not the product then they have completely redesign how they manufacture stuff. They have completely redesigned on how they look at stuff and how they build stuff. So I bought my Savage based upon people talking about what a Savage is today, not yesterday. Mm -hmm. And people can be very stuck on the yesterday. 
Right. Gun, gun community members right. stuck, stuck in their stuck no, stuck in their ways. No, no. Oh that's no. Well, of. You know, I, but I, I I gotta admit, um, Savage Savage seemed to have you know this um, old reputation for making substandard product. Uh, I can tell you that when my eyes opened up to Savage, one of the uh, probably one of the most well respected uh, outdoorsmen and hunters I know, uh, Frank from the range. Limpin', Limpin' Frank. Right? Yep. Yeah, he yep. he swore up and down that the Savage rifle. Yeah, you know what? It, it it's certainly not you know um, you know a three thousand dollar gun, but for the money Some that you. Of them are now. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, but 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 he 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 made it clear to me. He says he says you know. He says, for the money I spent on that thing, and I give it some decent glass, like it doesn't, it doesn't need anything. And so I tried it, and and I was pretty impressed with the performance on it. And I know that right now there's somebody saying out there, you know, with with that's got, you know, they're a bit of a gun snob. They're saying, no way, Savage. Savage oh, actually. I got a Seiko, man. You can't compare a Savage to my you know, Seiko. You know, you know, like I, I look, we get it. If you're shooting an Accuracy International, uh, you're probably gonna, you know, tip your nose upwards at at, at the Savage product. But, but truth be told, for somebody just getting into the game, uh, in terms of performance, you obviously have put a lot of rounds down range to the barrel of, of, of one of the ones you have uh, without any kind of degradation to the performance. Like, I mean, it's still grouping the same way. Eh? Yeah, it, it groups the same way as it did when it was new. Yeah. Um, I've seen no variation whatsoever in accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rifle has been used out to 800 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, it was used at Petawawa. Uh, two years ago, it was be two, almost two years ago. Um, at 600 meters, um, did you compete with that gun at all? I did. Yeah. I had a Wawa. Yeah. Um, the only thing I, I, I screwed up on, um, because I didn't understand, it was the first time I had ever done this, and <laughs> I didn't know exactly where or what part of the target we we're supposed to be hitting, and I was taking headshots and. It was hitting where I was aiming. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear on this. It was hitting where I was aiming. This, the fail part was on my part where I was aiming at the wrong thing I was supposed to be hitting. Yeah. And I was taking headshots when I was supposed to be taking Tor- body shots. Torso shots. So I sent 10 rounds down range and they were all headshots. Yeah. And I lost a lot of points because I was taking headshots when I was supposed to be taking body shots. Ah. And because of that, my overall score at the end of it had taken a serious hit because of this. If I hadn't have made that mental mistake on what I was supposed to actually be hitting during that stage, my point standings would have been a lot higher. And I know this all comes down to, yeah, what ifs, but let's be real. I thought I was supposed to be doing headshots. Yeah. I made the headshots. I was supposed to be doing body shots, which would have been an insanely lot easier for me to hit at yeah. that distance, and I would have hit them. Let's be real. Okay, so with the with the adjustment, you think if, you would have you would have placed higher? Is what if, you're saying? If you put all the adjustments in, yeah, uh, I would have singularly because this was a kind of a partnership match. Yeah, uh, singularly, I would have placed second or third. Oh, nice. And this is the first time we ever doing this. Like, I'm not used to competition shooting. I'm just used to doing and going out and doing my own thing. And there are guys there that have got weapon systems that blow mine out of the water price point standing there's mm-hmm. a guy there with a pgw that rifle nice alone, alone. and for you 6.5 fanboys it was a pgw timberwolf or or coyote i forget which one it is yeah. it's a timberwolf or coyote same shit different pile whatever yeah. um coyote i believe okay uh beautiful rifle 
I actually do have the opportunity to buy one of those myself and I probably will buy it. But that rifle by itself is $6,500. Okay. Plus the fucking $6,000 Night Force optic he's got on it. Plus the guys are running a Kestrel and they're running like an insane spotting scope. I'm not bashing these guys whatsoever. They had mm. beautiful gear. I wish I had that gear. Yeah. Um, and there, and there you are with your Savage. There I am with my Savage <laughs> and I destroyed them. These guys are running an optimal setup and I destroy them. Bar none, I destroy them. There's a guy. You're making, range. you're making, you're going to make some enemies on there, the competition guy, circuit with this podcast. I, I, I can tell guy. you're going to regret this one. Some of you are going to roll up the next time on the competition. They're going to be like, hey, Porpus, <laughs> fuck you. There's guys here with some serious, serious hardware. There's yeah. one guy running in Accuracy International. Sure. There's another guy running a Seiko. There's a guy in our own group running a Seiko. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, he, he works well with it. He shoots well with it. It's just, I did better than he did. Mm. Uh, so there are guys there with like absolutely badass shit. And this guy that walks in off the street, never done this before. If I had not made that mistake, you would, could you would have placed singularly above all of these guys. Yeah. No but even though the guys that did have the badass hardware, I did outshoot them even with my mistake as a partnered relationship in that match which was the way it was being scored we did come in first so we did walk in there and walk over everybody um my partner was using a tika yeah in a mdt's what do, you, what do you what do you think of the tika i like them i do like them yeah but i i'm a savage fanboy and mm -hmm. i am a savage fanboy mm -hmm. uh the, the two long range rifles that i use are both savages um and they're both sitting in MDT chassis. Mm -hmm. My MDT hat right now. Yeah, I see that. Um, uh, I, I am not sponsored by anybody. I'm not, I'm not a sponsored shooter. I'm not that known of a shooter. I'm not, you know, all up in there and shit. But they both make good products, which is why I buy their products. It's easy to get your hands on a Savage. Mm -hmm. You can go to almost any gun store and buy a Savage. Mm -hmm. I bought my 308 at $960. It's a $960 gun. I literally, the day I bought it, I didn't even have my license at the time. My buddy bought it for me and held on to it until I had my license in hand. I did not have the money at the time to buy a scope. I had a pellet gun at home with... You didn't? Yeah. <laughs> with uh, a three-time power scope on it. Yeah. I went home, grabbed that scope, because my buddy was all like, if you want me to go to the range the next day and you could use it for the first time. I was like, fuck Yeah. So I bought a box of Hornady Steel Match 308 155 grain. And then people are going, oh my God, you're putting steel ammo in a precision rifle. Okay, let's be clear. It's Hornady Steel Match. There's steel match cased ammo. Yeah. It's got a coating on it yeah. to not allow it to scratch your chamber which is why I bought it. You worry about things like scratching chambers? Yeah. Jesus, you precision guys, you're all the same. Only on that. <laughs> uh, I'll run dirt through it. I don't give a shit. And I've proven that too. Um, we, we went to the range and we dialed it in and we were, I was shooting at 200 yards with a Pelican scope and that rifle right out of the box was shooting half him away at 200 yards. Let me rephrase that. It wasn't shooting half on my way up to 200 yards. It was shooting half an inch at two fucking hundred yards. It was stacking rounds like it wanted to take the heads off a of finishing nail. 
Are you no. sure you didn't get a Wednesday made gun though? Like, I mean, I like thirty eight does the same thing. Yeah. See, you know, and the other thing and again, too. This is this is a three thirty eight. That's a Savage Stealth. So it already comes in an MDT chassis, but it's a very basic chassis. Yeah. Um, mind you, I, I did get the gun on sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prices vary on these, whatever store you go yeah. to. But I picked up the rifle for fifteen hundred bucks. So I bought a three thirty eight Lapua. For fifteen hundred bucks, wow! Which is generally why, if you ever see anybody that's got a three thirty eight Lapua, mm-hmm. it'll always be a Savage. Yeah, typically, really, because most guys, guys, mm-hmm. generally, if you go to the range and you see a guy with a brand new three thirty eight, you look at the scope. Yeah, <laughs> look at the scope, and the scope will tell you everything. The guy spent the fifteen hundred bucks on this Savage to get a three thirty eight because. Big cool caliber, big yeah. cool gun. Not realizing that to buy match ammo for this thing is 150 bucks a box for 20 rounds. Sure, you can buy cheaper shit, but you know whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like an expensive gun to run. And then you look at the optics and you go, "Oh look, they got a vortex." Nothing against vortex. I run vortex. I love vortex. But they're running like a vortex diamondback. Four hundred dollar scope. You got a gun that is capable of taking the head off of something at 1,500 yards like a joke, and you're running a three to $400 scope. It is because you do not have the money to run that 338, and you cannot afford to go buy a really good optic to back up that 338, because let's be real. If you're going to buy a 338, buy an optic to back that thing up. Oh, yeah. The gun Gla- is glass- only as good as the glass on top. Glass is everything. I, I learned that I learned that very early on from my buddy Jack, you know, uh, Jack Spades. Uh, my uh, my boy Jack has been doing the long uh, long game for quite a while now. And, you know, uh, he, he, he made it abundantly clear, you know, if you want to drop, you know, a, a dime scope on your gun, you're going to get like a dime type performance. Um, if you've got a gun that's capable of reaching all the way out to like those kinds of ranges, you definitely need to get, you know, good optical clarity and all the things that make, you know, uh, great glass kind of, you know, important. And, you know, yeah, if you spend 400 bucks on a scope, you're you're going to get $400 performance in most cases. Yeah, uh, most. But you get a gun, you, oops. I bet you it's Sam. I'll bet you. I'll bet you <laughs> the it's most Sam. Random shit right? Yeah. You know. It, you know what? It, it, Sam. Sam has this magical way of calling. It, every time I do a podcast, hold on. I think I see it. It's over here. Is it? Oh, yeah. okay. Right here. Oh, you got. Thank. Reach for it. Yeah. Let's see. You know what? We interrupt this podcast. To pick up our cell phones. To pick up our cell phones and turn down the volume. Who I got here? Oh, Big B. Oh, Brian, I'll call you back. No, uh, you know what? Good glass is important. You, hey, would you make uh, any recommendations for glass? You know, for for a guy for a guy that's going to be shooting big gun, because I couldn't help but notice that right now down at Fishing World, they have a three thirty eight uh, Lapua, and it's uh, it's savage. And it's sitting on the wall, and it's funny because you know what I, I haven't brought it down to do any photography. You wouldn't know that it's there um, because I haven't really shown the public uh, that that gun yet, and I don't believe that they've uh, put any pictures of it up on um, on their pages of Instagram. But you know they've got one there. It's We're- an easy but hard gun to sell. Yeah, it's easy because especially if it's a savage. Like if if you were trying to look at a three thirty eight mm-hmm. in any other company, they're big money. Yeah, a, a Seiko is going to be big money. Yeah, uh, 
And like, like, like what's going to be big money? How, how, how much? How much is the Seiko? Well, we're talking to... like five, six grand. Okay, so we're right, talking the difference. Kadex, it's going to be you know five, six grand, if yeah. not more, right? Yeah. So, it, Savage makes a three thirty eight extremely affordable, affordable on the rifle side. It doesn't yeah. make it extremely affordable on the ammo side. Yeah. yeah, it's an expensive gun to run. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I find that you see a lot of them, a lot of used ones for sale. Yeah. Like if you go hunting for a 338 in Canada, it's really, really easy to find one. Typically, it'll be a Savage. Mm-hmm. And typically, it'll be like 100 rounds ran through it, 200 rounds ran through it. Because you realize that, oh shit, this thing ain't cheap to run. Yeah. It's a very expensive gun. Even hand loading. If you want to go out and buy a 338, like actual 338 Lapua brass mm-hmm. made by Lapua, to buy 100 pieces is $480 Canadian. You know, I remember I scored like uh, 69 pieces of it for my buddy. They were once fired that were found uh, at the Silverdale Gun Club. They they said they didn't want them. So I, I took them and gave them to my buddy Jack, who was like, oh, my God, 69 yeah, pieces like of gold. Like, yeah. yeah. I, got, I got 250 once fired cases of Horny off a buddy of mine for 50 bucks. Yeah. I, I, he told me he had it. And I was like, oh, what do you want for it? And yeah. He's all like, well, tell me what you want. I'm, like, I'm not playing this game, man. Yeah. <laughs> just tell me how much fucking money you want for it. And I'll give it to you, dude. Like, don't, don't think you're going to lowball me or highball me. Just give me a price. And I'll say, yeah or no. Yeah. So he told me 50 bucks. I'm like, seriously, that, that I never jumped in my truck so fast Yeah. and drove to his house so fast. Like, you want 50 bucks? Here's 50 bucks. 250 freaking cases. Are you kidding me? That shit's cheap. See, cheap. This, this is this is this is one of the things that you know it doesn't come up too often, and certainly you know nobody really realizes it until they're in in the situation. But I always tell people uh, when they come to me asking about you know what they should buy when they want to buy their first full size handgun. When I say full size, I mean you know intermediate cartridges, uh, no magnums, and uh, they, you know they want like a nine millimeter or you know something larger than a twenty two or uh, a thirty eight revolver. So, you know, I, I always steer people onto nine millimeter, making sure to make it clear because people will ask, they'll say like, what's the difference between, you know, nine and 45. And I always say the cost, the cost of running the ammo, Yeah. you know, even reloading, you know, the, it's almost the, twice the price. It's twice the price. Yeah. So, you know, like if you want a full size gun, you get yourself a nine. Um, definitely, you know, depending on what you're going to be using it for, uh, I always kind of steer people onto the CZ line. I think that they make a solid, you know, brand of gun, uh, you know, the, the ability to you know competitively shoot uh if you live in a country where 2a is you know your thing uh for self-defense you know a nine millimeter is an excellent choice with modern uh projectile uh, designs they've jacked up the speeds on those uh nine millimeter rounds to the point now that they're very effective i think i'm hearing reports of you know services looking to dump uh, 40 Smith and Wesson in lieu of less reach. Well, you know what? Uh, 40, well, see, I always, I I always tell people 40 is what, you know, I carried for years in law enforcement and uh, 40, you know, you might as well be shooting 45 for what it costs you to hand load it and or to buy it. So, you know, I I always steer people on the nine because of less recoil. And I think that it's a great, uh, great cartridge. And I think that uh, you can do a lot of things with, you know, CZ platforms or Beretta platforms. Um, you know, the only thing I won't tell people to buy is, is a nine millimeter and a 1911 design. I always steer people off that. It's like, if you're going to buy a 1911 as a pistol, you're going to get it in 45, right? I was going to buy a 1911 and nine mil, um, only because I, I wanted to use it for a competitive style shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I got a buddy of mine that used to run until this whole COVID shit started happening. Um, 
he he ran like uh kind of like a CQB match at the mm-hmm. range, and uh, it was transitional stuff between ARs and handguns and stuff. And actually, sorry, not COVID. The stupid band is what kind of killed all that all right. shit. Yeah. Um, and me being a 1911 fanboy, fuck Glock. <laughs> <laughs> no love, yeah. no love for no, the greatest no. polymer design of all time. No, you know what the greatest polymer design of all time is? What? It's in my fucking hand. I got this uh, fucking Sig P320 X5 Legion with a nice fucking red dot on it and a beautiful fucking weapon light. This is like, I know, three times as much as a goddamn Glock, but uh, it weighs like a real man gun and Glocks are for people with soft hands. You know, everybody, know. you know, everybody, everybody, fuck this asshole. See, I, I'm, this a, I'm a huge fan. You know, I, I, people ask me about Glock. I always say the same thing. They work. They work. They work. They work. They work, work when you need them to. It's a working man's gun or a working people's but gun. Hey, man, just like my, uh, just, just, just like my AR that runs in mud. Yes. And it does run in mud. Mm-hmm. So fuck you, AK boys. My 1911 works too. It doesn't fail. It gets, I don't know, thousand rounds through before I decide to actually try to clean it. And yeah, it, it doesn't stove top. It doesn't jam. It doesn't lock up. It works. No, it's not a Kimber. No, it's not a Cabot. No, it's not a Smith & Wesson. No, it's not a Remington. No, it's none of those. And no, it's not an Arinko either because we were working over the fact that I won't buy an Arinko. So, so now that, that, that X5, that's sick. All right. That's a really cool piece. I, I, I got to admit, um, I, I got an opportunity to shoot one last year. I was pretty impressed with it. So six hours making, um, uh, I guess, a version of their 320. And yeah. it's got, you know, this big beveling uh, on a magazine swell. Uh, it's got cutouts on the top of the slide. It, it, it feels optic unlike, ready. yeah, optic it's ready. Tungsten infused freaking. Yeah. Frame. You know, like, like the minute, you know what? I, like I, I gotta, I gotta say it, you know, uh, guns like HK, fantastic. Um, you know, six hour, obviously, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the way, you know, polymer guns, um, ordinarily kind of balance in the hand that's just one of the reasons why i'm not a glock fan yeah one that that and the grip angle on it like i I find that for people that are really hating me right now because they got like 15 glocks in the safe (sighs) um the 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 reason why i don't like Glock is the first time i picked up a handgun yeah uh there was a 1911 and a glock on the on the table and i was given the glock first and i fired off a couple of mags with the damn thing and then I was given the 1911. Uh, obviously, the, the Glock was chambered in 9mm, yeah. and the 1911 was chambered in 45. Um, and I used the 1911. And you could not get that Glock back in my hand because I just cannot stand the grip angle on mm. it. It drives me fucking bonkers. Don't, don't care for it. Just, I hate it. And that, and I like the weight of the 1911 in my hand. It's better for recoil management. And sure, fine. And like any handgun, you mm. train with it. You train properly with it. The weight at the end of the day really doesn't matter. It helps, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. If if you get your proper grip on it, you get proper trigger control on it, you can take pretty much almost any gun and make it shoot and work properly. As mm-hmm. long as the gun mechanically will work, which a Glock does do. It works. It works. It's just I, I cannot stand that damn thing the grip angle, just, I, the grip I, angle I really bugs you that much it eh? does man I'll, I'll never own one I'll, I'll, I'll never buy one and i've used everything from an out-of-the-box glock to like a zev or um 
So yeah, the one that's really popular. Gucci, Gucci Glock. Yeah, the Gucci Glock. Zev, Zev, and what was the what was the one? Salient. Salient. Yeah. yeah. Like I've used both, and like ones that got like you know completely worked triggers in them, and still to me the triggers feel fucking awful. There's 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 a real even you know what? And sorry, that's 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 a the Sun Glock thing. That's a striker fire. That's a striker fire. Yeah, yeah. Like even even this X5, um, when you pull on the trigger, like I'm I'm so used to 1911s and I'm. Mm. I love the triggers on 1911s, which is one of the reasons why I like Savages as well. Because a Savage trigger and a 1911 trigger have got the same thing in common. Very to no creep, mm-hmm. and they both break like glass. Yeah. So when I jump off of my 1911 and I get on my Savage, the triggers feel exactly the same to me. So there's no transition. Whereas Striker Fire, there's always going to be some kind of take up there's always going to be some kind of creep there's always going to be some kind of after travel which i do not get from a 1911 it's it's well and again you know every once in a while i like to check in with the people that uh you know aren't as familiar with firearms uh you know you get a handgun typically they have you know a hammer uh in the design that can be cocked and when you pull the trigger on those types designs uh because of the um way the parts work together there's a certain feel that's achieved through you know pistols like the 1911 and uh you know uh, other designs that are of a similar you know design and then you get these uh striker fire guns and so the actual action of pulling the trigger begins to uh, compress a spring with the firing pin inside the gun and because of the way that sort of works um you know you're as you're pulling the trigger you're actually kind of charging the uh, firing pin uh, with enough energy that it releases and and hits you know the primer and discharges uh, the cartridge so so there is a different kind of feel to it glocks uh, a lot of people complain if they don't know anything else like police in most instances uh, they don't know any different but the truth is is that glock triggers have kind of this notoriety for being you know um, somewhat heavy and somewhere between kind of single action double action kind of a feel but it's a striker design whereas like 1911s have kind of a crisp feel. There's a reason why America loves its favorite handgun, uh, the 1911. It was in use by the military for over 75 years uh, following its design by John Moses Browning, who was a legend uh, in the firearm community. But... You know, uh, for the people that's my father, yeah, he's go, yeah, Forfus here, Jay, is um, definitely a fan of the 1911 design. It gets criticized sometimes for being old and uh, clunky and, uh, you know, jam prone. I I can tell you that a lot of them work really well. Uh, You're really a 1911 guy, so that's one of the reasons why I brought a couple of things out uh, with me today. And I wanted to know your uh, your impressions because you got kind of a standard uh, Sig Sauer 1911 uh, Scorpion pistol, not the Spartan model, but their uh, Scorpion. What do you think of that? Like, I mean, you know what? Well, I own the... Uh, which some people are always like me when they're like they're 1911 fanboys and they're all yeah. like, oh, you bought a SIG 1911? Yep, I bought a SIG 1911. Oh, that's not a real 1911. The extractor's on the outside. Yeah, whatever, man. It still yeah. looks like a 1911. It still works like a 1911. If it works, it works. Yeah. That's it. Uh, this scorpion I've used a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and it works. It doesn't fail. Uh, trigger on it is damn good for a factory trigger. Like it's got a little bit of take up on it yeah. and stuff, but the 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 break on it is just what you expect. It's it's just 
Oh, it's so fucking. <laughs> Usually the actual actually that one that one has an aftermarket trigger in it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't have the straight bar. Yeah, Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, yeah that's that silver flat bar. Yeah, yeah. You know what? My my that my buddy Dave, a uh, Toronto copper, he took that off my hands when he found out that I was doing away with the straight one because I, I wanted to have that skeletonized aluminum look. Uh I I managed to uh, get that off to him and he's enjoying that on one of his guns that's another thing about the firearm community we share parts and uh, buy and sell things amongst each other all the time and uh, god knows there's a lot of aftermarket support for you know 1911s uh, it, it really is a design that's appreciated by the firearm community but you got that one that's that's something that i know that you've had an opportunity to try before and you know i was wondering what your impression was in terms of the quality levels because like i always tell people if you if you're going to get into some uh Slightly more expensive, not your uh, baseline price uh, yeah, firearms. That Six Hour offers a lot. About I think they're like twelve hundred dollars right now. Yeah, they they've gone up in price. Like yeah. I remember, I was looking at the Spartan when it first came out, and mm. I I wanted it just because it was like already coated burnt bronze. I'm a big burnt yeah. bronze fan. Uh, the reason why I didn't buy it is because I knew that I would end up destroying the grips. They got like this nice Spartan engraving on it that's in gold and stuff, and they would get destroyed. So I want to take the grips off, and then yeah. by the time I've done everything to the gun, the gun doesn't look the way it looks anymore, right? Yeah. And I'm very much a run it, run it hard. Uh, I'm not the put my handgun down the table gently kind of guy. Uh, You're abusive. Oh, yeah. You know, for, as, a, as a gun collector, I'm offended every time I get to the line with you. It's like, man, you're so hard on your guns. You're as bad as Brian. The, the antique? <laughs> oh, have, God. You do not want to put it in my hand. Like, no. No. This, I, I, this, I, is, this is a gun that works. I, I have the the tac ops version of this. Which yeah. It's pretty much the exact same gun. Yeah. Except it's black. Yeah. Um, it's got black grips on it that are not like this nice G10 uh snake style powder i like that but it is essentially the exact same gun the only difference is that mine's got does this got glow in the dark sights yeah oh yeah 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 Yeah, somebody's got the glow in the dark sights so it's exact same gun it's just coded differently and other than that it's exactly the same and mine works it works it never fails it always works it's got some modifications into it like the beaver tail i had pinned Mm. i had the big bump on the back yeah shaved off uh the only thing that i do not like about the six that I am not a fan of is their beaver tail. Their beaver really? tail is very short. Yeah. And it's got this cutout on the side. Yeah. That for someone like myself, like we always tell people when you're shooting with a handgun, you know, highest grip possible, yeah, you yeah. know, with your trigger finger hand. When I get my grip up on there, she's, that she's little close. She's, she's close. Why is my hand shaking so much? That little you need edge, another cup of coffee. Yeah. Digs into my hand. So yeah. after a mag with this thing, it, it's dug into my hand so much, it's fucking painful man really? so i had mine uh i gave it to uh double tap um and they josco yeah i gave it to josco josco fixed this all up for me he shaved this he pinned this changed all the springs inside of it put one of his own safeties on the side uh so it's got like a bigger ambidextrous safety on it so it because it, his thumb shelves are nice and big because he yeah. does a lot of ipstick shooting um so it's really ramped around that which is still works absolutely fine for like a duty kind of gun whatever yeah. which is more what i'm into yeah. but it allows you to get your thumb right up on there and now the guns for me it's phenomenal to shoot is, um, is, is josco making is, is josco making any custom parts at all is he doing any of that or oh is he yeah. just yeah? Oh yeah 
You know what? He's like, you know it's been a while since I've seen him. Actually, you know what? Let's give him a plug. You know what? Josh, go down to Double Tap Canada. He does some great work. Awesome. Uh, you know, and a I fantastic guy. More importantly, uh, you know, if you uh, get a chance to get down to his shop, say hello. Uh, perhaps when all this COVID nonsense is over, he's definitely. Uh, you know, a business you a dog, bring your dog. Yeah. Can you bring your dog. Oh yeah. I was actually told when I picked have up, you his do- have you met his daughter? Do- have you met his daughter? I don't think so. No. Yeah. His son. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's got, he's got a couple of family members in the store. He's a, uh, he's a great guy. I would uh, suggest that we try and keep his business going as, uh, as long as we can. It's getting more and more difficult. I'm sure for uh, some people in this industry with, uh, things switching between, you know, online, only and uh you know minimum numbers in the stores uh you know i i've noticed the fishing world you know right up until the uh the time that uh, they were allowing people to come to the store that things were getting real busy have you have you have you noticed there's been like a giant um you know shortage of ammo up here lately you know what i've because because i hand load yeah everything all oh, shortage cuz yeah, you wouldn't notice it as much. Um, yeah, because I do a lot of hand loading. And because I've been using long guns pretty much for the entire year, Yeah, um, I've definitely noticed uh, a shortage on powder. Yeah. Which I really found weird because back when I started shooting, there was like there were a bunch of bullshit going on in the U.S. Yeah. So there was like a lot of, there was ammo shortages and there was powder shortages. And so finding like Varget for my 308 back then was an insanely pain in the ass. Yeah. You it know was, what? It was a I rem- problem. Yep. I remember now, now it's the same thing, but it's flipped. Uh, I can find Varget for 308. No problem. Yeah. Not a fucking problem. But when I want to go find powder for my 338, anything that's Magnum caliber is like impossible. So I typically either use H1000, Rotumbo, or um, Ramjet Magnum. Preferably Magnum, then Rotumbo, then H1000. What about Vitavori? No. No, you don't use that no. stuff? Uh, but we have found for Savages, the best powder to use is Ramjet Magnum, which is very rare around here. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, Rotumbo gets yeah. the best results, and after that, H1000. H1000 is very is the easier of the three to get yeah retumble i have not been able to find in months yeah and magnum ram or ramjet magnum i can only find at x reload Mm -hmm. and it's hit or miss if they have it yeah it is hit or miss the prices have skyrocketed yeah um i just find it weird because these are powders that are more meant for magnum style shooting which i figured you'd be easier to find than any other powders because more people shoot you know, the short action cartridges and the long action cartridges. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just been a shortage and a shortage and a shortage. Bullets, I, I've been able to find projectiles, yeah. no problem. I, I typically get them from Tenda. Yeah. Uh, they always seem to have stock of 338 projectiles. Nobody else does. Um, and if I find anywhere else, the prices are through the freaking roof. Yeah. So, again, because I haven't shot handgun all year, um, I haven't really noticed any difference. Uh, but I've been hearing like the shortages, you know, like some yeah. people have got it, some people don't, the prices are going yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can tell you, I watched, you know, a lot of it fly off the shelves at, at fishing world. I was hearing, you know, from other people that they were experiencing difficulties, picking uh, some stuff up. People are getting restocked. A lot of businesses have uh, what you need now. And uh, certainly I've seen uh, the uh, ammunition supply at fishing world get uh, replenished. Uh, I haven't been spending time at too many other stores although i'm looking to get it to dean's uh dean's spot at uh 
select, select shooting. Yeah, at Cambridge. I want to want to head out there at some point. Say hi. Uh, I understand he's got his new range up. Yeah, uh, it's number today. Look, yeah, you know what? And it's looking like a, a state of the art facility, which sounds really cool. And uh, you know, at some point, I'm hoping to get up there and uh, say hello. But uh, yeah, but in terms of uh, the shortage of ammunition, it's it's kind of. Um, ebbing and flowing a little bit but some people are seeing you know some shortages in some areas uh for for hand loaders though it's never been really much of a problem like you see ammo ammo shortages as a reloader as long as you have the components like you, yeah you, like, you don't really finding like right even right now like i still like if i go to the store i'll, I'll see components for nine mil 45 yeah. 40 whatever um at least and it depends on like what kind of shooter you are. Like if you're if you're like a training IPSC shooter and you're hand loading, you're yeah. you're going through thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of rounds. If they're feeling it, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, but for the average shooter that hand loads at home, um, I, I don't think they've noticed much of a no. difference. Cause I, I can a, tell you, I have a I, pound I, a pound of powder for nine mil. It, it makes you. A ton of ammo. Yeah. A ton. What what do you get out of a pound? Something like 1,800 rounds or something? Yeah. You know, like. Depending on what powder you're using. Like, I I generally, I used to use a particular powder for every particular cartridge that I was using. I used to use, I used to be HS6 for 45, Mm -hmm. uh, CFE pistol for 9 mil, Mm -hmm. uh, H110 for 44. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's my, that's my go to. Um, Oh, and I've used HS6 for. For 44 as well yeah um but then i get i just ever just use tight, to, ever use tight group i actually that's what i use now yeah i, I, I tried to streamline everything because i was kind of getting annoyed with swapping back and forth between powders yeah, yeah. and then the times where there are powder shortages having to bounce back and forth be like oh i'm trying to find hs6 i can't find hs6 ah so, see this, this is why i work out all my shit ahead of time so, i spent years figuring uh, i was buying powders just to see if i could squeeze out the most performance out of this power so so it didn't matter what was available i could make nine millimeter out of whatever was around at the time because there are times like you say where you'll get some powders will be readily available and that one you've been using for the last ones. yeah the, then so the, i find like stuff like hs6 yeah be hard to find yeah. sometimes um but for some reason, tight group. It's always around. It's always around. Yeah. And people are all like, oh, I don't want to use that. Man, the, the gun runs dirty. The gun runs dirty. Who gives that shit if the gun runs dirty? Man, it the gun's getting dirty. Doesn't it doesn't run trigger dirty. It, no, I'm not so, much dirty. You know, well, if you're going to say the gun runs dirty. You're not shooting enough. Okay. And if you got a Glock and you say the gun runs dirty, I, I should be allowed to reach through this microphone and slap you in the head. Because the reason why you're buying that Glock is because it works. I could drive over it with a tank. I could shit and piss yeah. on it and pour concrete in the barrel. And it's still going to fire. So who gives a crap? It's the AK dirty. of the pistol world. <laughs> People so are real defensive about that Glock. Well, but no, but you know what? I, 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 my I lo- hands get dirty. It's all over my hands, my arms. I don't give a shit. It's, it's cheap. See, I, and I, you don't need as much tight group to run the cartridge as you need to use CFE pistol or HS six. Mm-hmm. You actually need less powder. So I'm using less powder yeah. with something that actually costs less and it still works. And, and, and you know what? That's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is, is like hand loading. You know, a lot of people who find it, you know, intimidating or, you know, Can't they've, be. they've heard, they've heard from their or partner, stories. you know, that, that, you know, that Bash. maybe isn't as familiar with firearms that their partner will say, there's no way you're making bullets in the house. Right. You know, like I thinking, people always take it. well, you make your own ammo. So yeah. like, how do you make the cases? Dude, 
make the cases, man. I pick what? the case up off the ground yeah. and I clean it. Yeah, no, I, I think some people have visions of like that assembly line in the Looney yes. Tunes cartoon where the, the you know the Donald Duck or Daffy Duck is hitting the, hit, the hitting the hit, they're they're hitting the top of the cringing. artillery shell with with a hammer and then marking it as a dud when it doesn't explode. No, it's not it's not dangerous. It, it, you know, certainly there are precautions you have to take. You should always wear you know eye protection when you're making ammunition uh, in the unlikely event that perhaps you crush a primer and you know maybe you have a little discharge. Um, yeah, you know what I, I've I've had it happen twice in my entire life. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of you know being safe when reloading. But the truth is, is that it's a process. It's actually a lot of fun. It's very relaxing. It's a it's a hobby all by itself. And during the pandemic, you can uh, sit and you can reload to your heart's content, and it's a great way to pass the time. Uh, if you can get out to the range and try, you know, various versions uh, that you create of different ammunition, you can create different recoil impulses. You can have, uh, you know, a- a- accuracy can be, you know, improved. You can actually match the ammunition to your gun, you know, like by by trial and error with certain bullet weights and certain powder charge weights. So reloading can be like almost like a, a it's a, a hobby in its own. Yeah, it's but it's like it's like a trip to science class every time you you get behind the reloading bench, you know, and you have to come up with you know recipes. And uh, when I say that, I mean you you use guideline books like the uh, Handloader's Bible, and you know it'll tell you what the range of bullet weights and uh, projectile sizes and powder weight charges uh, that that go together to create certain velocities. It's really a lot of fun. It sounds very daunting, I'm sure, to people, but like once you do it. It's like making, um, uh, you know, a meal that's really only a five-step recipe, and it's it's simple to make, but it's delicious. I can tell you that hand loading is so much fun, and when there's an ammo shortage, hand loaders are king. I'll tell you, if you want to shoot and oh, not worry, absolutely. yeah. So absolutely, because typically, uh, especially a, a hand loader that's that shoots handguns, yeah. Um, not necessarily ARs, because I find that people that really hate reloading, two, two, three. Just because it's so cheap to buy this stuff, it's so easy to buy this stuff that they just don't want to put the asshole into actually making it because it's so daunting to make. And it is daunting to make because there's a lot of process behind it. But for handgun stuff, typically, if, if you're if you're doing reloading for handgun, you got tons of brass at home. You got tons of 9mm, you got tons of 45 or 40, you just got tons of this stuff. So all you need to do is just get yourself some powder, get yourself some projectiles, which... And and a little bit of free time. And that's it, and just start pressing stuff. And you're laughing, whereas the other guy that doesn't reload has got to go to the store and be all like, hey man, so do you have any uh, (laughs) boxes of 9mm Federal uh, American Eagle or whatever the fuck this shit's called? Oh no, we don't have stock on that. Oh, do you have any nine mil? Yeah, well, we got some S and B. Oh, I really don't like S and B, but I'm desperate. <laughs> so I keep it. I keep on envisioning Dave Chappelle kind of scratching his neck with a yeah, with a hat on, going got 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 any more? You got the nine mil? You got the nine mil? I need that crack, bro. I need that crack. Got any more of them primers? Like you know, people 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 actually get into hand loading. It's a lot of fun. I would highly recommend it. At some point, we're going to be doing tutorials again. We started doing it. 
and uh, put some up in the uh, IGTV section of our Instagram page if you want to kind of get started. We grabbed an old vintage machine, but uh, if you get yourself a single stage press and, you know, uh, $45 or $50 set of dies and the necessary components, you too can make your own ammunition. Uh, you know, we definitely think that a lot of people could benefit uh, from the therapeutic value connected to sitting at a bench and making your own ammunition. There's nothing better, actually, when you make a whole, you know, whack of it. It's actually quite relaxing. And then realize you made it completely fucking wrong, and now you got to dismantle 1,000 <laughs> rounds because it's all fucked up. That That's only if you don't pay attention, right? That's why you pay attention. And that's why you got to pay that's attention. That's what you're not supposed to do when you're drunk, people. Don't you know, like I, 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 I laugh. It's like, you know, is reloading dangerous? Well, it, it, it can be. Yeah, uh, it can do be it inherently so, dangerous do, if you're not paying attention. Well, do it. Do it. We would recommend you do it sober. Uh, yes. We would also recommend that you don't smoke around black powder. And, you know, that's probably a bad idea. I've seen people over the years do some pretty crazy things. It's definitely nice to see that most people are pretty safety conscious these days. If you're thinking about getting into hand loading, um, definitely. There's Don't be a, like Jay and light his smoke with a propane torch while you're holding a pound of powder. Yeah, so, yeah. You know what? Don't do that. happen. Don't, don't, do, don't, do that. don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Well, hey, listen, coming off the reloading train for a second. Now, I want you to tell me what you think about the second pistol I put out for you. And again, ah, another Kunin. 1911 design. But now uh, the Kunin in 357 Magnum. Right. What what do you what do you think of that one? Because, I mean, you're you're a 1911 guy. So I'm really curious to know what your take is on that when you look I've, at that gun. I've shot this once. I think once. Yeah, it was just once. Uh Recoil on it is actually not that bad for a 357. It's um, it's a bigger gun, bigger grip. Uh, obviously, it needs the handle to be able to support the 357 round versus the 45 ACP that it should be inside of it. Uh, but because of the mechanical function of the slide and the weight of it and the weight of the recoil spring in this thing, because it's got a pretty hefty recoil spring, like I can typically one hand cock a 45 but this one uh really not happening it's fun to shoot it, 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 it is it is a fun fucking gun to shoot especially if you're on a range where you get to hit steel with the damn thing yeah it's not like you're planking steel with a nine mil nine Be mil you you plank it is like ding oh look the plate moved two inches back you hit it with this and that plate man it, it dances it, it just starts <laughs> flopping all over the place um, that one brings people from the other side of the range over to ask, what the hell is that? What the hell was that? Yeah. Did I just see a fireball coming it's, out of that thing? Yeah, it's, it's a real flamethrower, especially when you hand load it with H110 powder. Uh, you get sometimes those, you know, four foot long cones yes. uh, of, of flames yes. jumping out of the end of that thing. It's, it's, it's really a cool... Uh, all stainless design and it's got that full length dust cover underneath it uh, i don't even know truthfully if they're even making them anymore i, I think they may have stopped uh, like at one point they were ramping up production and then uh somebody somebody told me that they had stopped making them uh, i saw it for i saw one for sale a brand new one. Oh, really uh for sale about i think it was a year ago or two years ago yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah, yeah. Uh, which it was brand new but it doesn't say if it was if it's still being made or not yeah um it could have been like old inventory that somebody had and you know like just they never sold the damn thing yeah. you, you got to be a certain type of person to to want to own this this is not like going out buying your normal 45 
This is not something that you go to the range. This is the only gun you bring to the range. It is a novelty gun. It is 100% a novelty gun. For There's this, nothing no for, novel for, about the way that thing for barks. Canada, for Canada, it's a novelty <laughs> gun. If you were out in the bush, you know, and you got dangerous game, yeah. and you, you need a sidearm to drop something that might be coming a little bit too close to you, and using the rifle in your hand is not a good idea, um, this is a wicked gun for dropping something that is getting too goddamn close to you. Uh, and it's looking to you know, probably you know, dismember your head from your shoulders. Great thing to have, especially because it's a semi-auto. Yeah. You can do a follow-up round with this if need be, and it's going to get the job done. Um, whereas you get some guys that are doing like, you know, big game hunting and they want, you know, that sidearm that is, you know, there to protect you just in case something bad happens. And they got the big old 357 Magnum revolver or they're running the 458, you know, or 454 Casul. And they're using it as a protection device. Sure, fine. But in Canada, this thing's a novelty. It it's is. a gun you go to the range, you know, you fire off a couple of rounds. This is not something that you're going to bark out, you know, 500 rounds with and go home and still have a wrist. Yeah. It's a novelty gun. And that's what I mean. It, it's, 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 it's awesome on steel targets oh, at like places like Galt. Yeah. Like 200 yards, 200 yards, uh, shooting the gongs with that gun can be a lot of fun. Uh, if you've got full house loads running through it, there is a, there, it does come with a 38 special spring, which really, you know, allows this guns, uh, really awesome trigger to shine when you're, when you're shooting full house load 357 or anything for that matter, you really don't appreciate the good triggers that are on some of these guns like the Smith and Wesson 460. When my buddy, uh, Big Ed, when he downloads his um, uh, 460 Magnum cartridges to the point where they're almost like 45 long colts out of that big heavy frame, you really get to appreciate what a fine trigger the Smith & Wesson 460 has. This gun has a great trigger it too. It does. Uh, the, the take up on it is minimal. Like, it yeah. for, like it's not... It's not a true nineteen eleven trigger. Uh, yeah, I noticed it. It is different. It it, yeah. it 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 pivots on a point rather than yeah. But even even though it's not a true nineteen eleven trigger, it is a trigger that is inherent to a hammer fire gun. Yeah. So you you get a little bit of take up, yeah. which is a little bit more than what I would like on yeah. a nineteen eleven kind of style platform. Yeah. Again, this is not a true true nineteen eleven. Yeah. But that being said, the take up is minimal. Like it's a couple of millimeters, but the break on it, like there is no creep on this thing. Like, yeah, it's great. None. It's, yeah. And the, the, the trigger pulls on heavy. Uh, it is a gun that a novice is going to be very, very, very careful with. Yeah. Because um, novices have that tendency of they, they get their hand on the gun and the second they point at the target, their fingers automatically on the trigger or their fingers on the trigger before they're even getting to the target. And if they jerk this the one wrong way, yeah, it goes off, and next other things flying up in their hands, they're shitting themselves. It it's definitely got a lot more skip than your average forty five. There's no question. When you run the hot loads through that thing, it, it definitely oh, is a is a handful, she, and she and and barks. you can really reach out there with three fifty seven. Um, for the people that don't know, the Coonan actually is the uh, brainchild of uh, Dan Coonan and I guess he the story goes that he and uh, a college roommate got into the uh, big debate which uh, was huge back then which was what's the better self-defense cartridge 357 in a revolver or you know 
45 uh, ACP in a semi-automatic platform. And of course, back then, you know, everybody wanted the stopping power of the 357 and cops were carrying 357 or the ability to change mags really quickly and 45. Well, Dan Coonan was tired of the debate and thought perhaps you could have both in one gun. And he created a 1911 style platform that uh, fired a rimmed 357 cartridge, which is a little bit difficult because in the magazine, those rims make a, a big difference. You can't just load rim cartridges into a, a magazine for a handgun without experiencing some problems. You have to have a follower that kind of pivots and tilts inside uh, on a track in order to avoid, you know, problems with the with the rims in the gun and the way it feeds. So he apparently got something like eight credits in university for the uh, handgun design and another seven for the magazine. And they went to production in the early 80s and then it uh, was uh, discontinued uh, sometime, I believe, in the 90s, late 90s. And then they started making them again. And really great guns. I always wanted the cadet, the short one. Oh, I can only imagine what that feels yeah, like. Yeah, like, see, I, li- I like muzzle blast, so, I mean, the Kunin is a lot of fun because the minute you pull it out and you start pulling the trigger, people do look and they're, they're like, what is that? That's not, what, is, what kind of gun is that? It's it's throwing balls of flame downrange. We think the targets are on fire, you know, kind of gun. And and so if you've never had an opportunity to pull the trigger on one, I highly recommend it. Um, your feel is obviously that, that you know, it's it's a great gun. I, I really do enjoy oh, that one. It's, it's been well made. Yeah. You know, it's been well designed, like. But it is a bigger, but it is a bigger and slightly heavier gun than your average 1911. You can really feel the difference. It's not that much larger. It's not like a big, big gun, but you can definitely feel that there's a little more heft to it and it doesn't balance quite the same way as a standard, you know, 1911 does. Can you feel the difference in the grip size too? The the grip size is like, this is where I say like, this is not a gun for like the novice person. Like a novice can shoot it. Yeah, sure. You put it in their hand be like, hey man, why don't you try this? But you just got to be really careful with them because as soon as you put your hand on a, a normal 1911, like I'm six foot tall yeah when when i so i don't have like stubby little fingers or anything so when i get my grip on a normal 1911 my thumb is just over the mag release yeah it's just there i gotta just tilt my hand so much slightly to pop that mag out so I already got a good damn grip on this thing, just one. And you can st- and you can still and you can still yeah I reach can it without it, no problem. I can drive it out, shoot it, no problem, accurately as hell, one handed. If my left arm was chopped the fuck off, I, ideally you don't want to have to shift your grip too much when you're shooting. Uh, I'm sure if we sat down with two eye Mark uh, Mark Practical there, we would probably uh, get a lesson in uh, proper you know, f- well, uh, and, form. And, and this thing's case, the reason why I can't get my thumb on the safety is because mm. of the grip. That grip's got absolutely no cutout on it. Yeah. Right? So if it had the cutout in it, like I would. Oh yeah. Yeah. That 11, slot there. It puts my thumb just that much closer. So I don't need to change my angle. I just got to push down and out she comes. Well, so, so the grip on a standard 1911 and, and this one's really nice cause it's got all this, uh, serrations this check, yeah, serrations and checkering on the front. Back. Yeah. And, and I mean, the grips, uh, really do offer you kind of a, a great, uh, sort of texture to bite into your hand without making you uncomfortable. Uh, but n- 1911s typically shoot 45, and, and in the SIG, you know, the bullets accommodate only um, or fit, you know, kind of in a space that's much narrower and it fits really in your hand. While the 357 Kunin is a little bit more oblong in sh- its shape because the cartridges are longer and the grip frame and the grip has to be a little bit wider to accommodate the length on those cases. But that's that's where you know you start to get. Compl- Complaints about the comfort when compared to the original 1911s, but now this is the one that I want you to hold on to, and then I want I want your impressions of. So, uh, <laughs> okay, go. fucking grizzly 
fifty. Right. The Mark I, the Mark the Mark Five uh, Lar Grizzly, which was uh the biggest nineteen eleven you know they ever made. It, it really is a monstrous gun. So the Mark Five was chambered in uh fifty AE and a lot of people don't know about it. The only fifty AE, you know, handgun that people most people are familiar with is the, of course the Desert Eagle, which is, you know, this iconic movie gun and definitely, you know, video gamers gun. And so a lot of people don't realize that they did make some other guns in 50 AE. There, there, there were a couple, but this is one of the lesser known ones and it's called the LAR LAR uh, Grizzly and it's a 1911, but it's much bigger than your average 1911. And, and since you're a 1911 guy, what's, what's your feeling on this one? Goddamn things like a log in my hand. It's big, eh? It's it's slide the slide's like twice as wide as a nineteen eleven. That's an exaggeration, but Jesus Christ, it, it, fucking it's gargantuan. You know what? I've never shot this thing. No, you don't. Oh, that's yeah, the other thing. You don't want. You don't want to. I'll, I'll tell you the limitations right now. Oh, the nineteen. No, well, you you can absolutely. I'll let you. But I'm telling you right now, the nineteen eleven design does have limitations. I can tell you right now that the recoil springs on that thing. Try racking that slide back. It it, 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 there, it. There's no. There's yeah. It's it. It, it it's it's got like I don't know like a thirty pound spring in it. Like it really does require a lot of effort to uh, cycle the action for that first round but when you pull the trigger on this lar grizzly which is the the, the, the creep on this trigger is it that bad i'm still pulling yeah i know well you you don't want that thing going off by accident so i'll tell you that it is the worst feeling gun ever when it goes off that i've fired big guns when was the last time you shot the rossi you know what? I'm telling you right now. The Ro- this is worse than the Rossi. It's worse than the Rossi. This is worse than the Rossi. It's it's worse than the Rossi because it's so. What's his name? Psycho. Look. Yeah, I know. I know. With even even with the hot ones, I can tell you that it's it's the shape of the grip and the way oh, it. The grip's horrible. The, right when the, with, the when well, it, it's it's a 1911 grip, but it's huge it's and huge. and it's and it's really really you know uh, oval in shape to accommodate the the gigantic 50 AE round. But the way that gun recoils and the way the 1911 design kind of absorbs it, it doesn't matter how stiff that recoil spring is it smashes into your hand and it leaves it stinging well that's a, a big part of that is because of the slide yeah like you got this massive slide mm-hmm. like as much as we, we like to put weight to the guns to help balance the gun to mm-hmm. help uh try to control the recoil yeah. there's a flip side of that you start making that slide which we like the weight to be in the frame yes but the weight in the frame and it'll help keep that muzzle down after you've done pulling that trigger. You start putting the weight in the slide that's reversing everything, <laughs> right? So you got this slide that is taller than a 1911, longer than a 1911, yeah. wider than a 1911, thicker than, like, and everything is gargantuan <laughs> in comparison to your typical 1911. So the weight is just up there. Like, when you pick it up, you're looking at the frame and you're like, okay, well, the frame's a little bit thicker in spots, but generally speaking, the forward part of the frame looks the same as the 1911, it, but the grip. So there's no weight here. Yeah. And you can feel it when you flip the gun sideways. Yeah. And the top of the gun just wants to fall over. So now you got this massive, massive thick. Like look, you look I at know, the between I know. the top of the frame on the SIG <laughs> versus the top of the frame on this damn thing. It's, it's three times thicker, it's, if not four times thicker. It's so cool looking though. Like it's so, a, so so folks, it's, now, it's now, this. Now you it's put this, the trigger on this. Yeah. Now you got the you got the recoil of a fifty coming yep. out of this thing, mm-hmm. and then you got the weight of this massive slide coming back at you. 
Hell no. I'm, I'm feel pretty. Oh, okay. Let me let me just tell you that the uh, the recoil spring life on those guns. Like, what five rounds? A hundred. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's only a hundred. Oh my right? God. Right. So back in the day, because they stopped producing these things. In the late uh, in the late nineties, I think it was. I, I, what ended up happening was, is I guess Desert Eagle uh, had come out with a fifty, and uh, God, the, yeah, and and yeah. Have you seen the prices on I those things? Bought one like four years when ago, they were, man, when they were like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, I rem- I remember I remember when I uh, I had bought one back in the day for a thousand, and I bought mine at the Buffalo Gun Center and had it imported into into Canada. And uh, to watch them go to 2000 in the mid nineties, I was like, I was going, wow, you know what? They really have climbed in price. And now they're like three. Yeah, it's three, the, they're, they're, depending on like which ones you find, like you can find the ones that are like gold with the tiger stripes. Cause I want to be call of duty. <laughs> Sam, Sa- Sammy's talking about getting one of those. I would too. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You I guys and your blinged out it's guns. A, it's a 50 AE man. What the fuck you going to mm. do with it besides be flashy? I would, I would pull the trigger on a 50 AE desert Eagle all day long compared to that thing. That that thing is oh, horrible. Desert Eagle's a joke to shoot. The, hard, get, the hardest thing about a Desert Eagle is putting your hands around the damn grip. Yeah. It's, the, it, the, it's, the grip is absolutely... It's bulky. ...noxiously huge. Like, it, and, it's massive compared to this. And, then, and, and once again, you know, for everybody out there that wants to stomach the expense of buying, you know, this really, really enormous, fantastic piece of machinery, uh, they're expensive to run. All right, a box of ammunition for fifty. What would it, what is it now? It's something like sixty bucks, seventy bucks. Oh, I, I don't even know because I don't have one. So I don't look at the price. No, well, I, I can tell you that they're not they're not cheap to run. Like in, anytime you buy a firearm, it's not just the initial expense you have to consider. Uh, you have to think about how much it costs to run. And you know, well, Magnum. I can make it very very basic and simple for anybody that what? is new to it. Go on. It's really simple. If the cartridge is very very small. It's very very cheap. If the cartridge is very very big, it's very very expensive. Except for thirty, except for three thirty eight Lapua. Okay, what about five seven? What about five seven? It's not expensive to shoot. Oh, it's thirty four. It's thirty five seven. No, 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 no. Oh no. Yeah, the five seven. That's different though. It, that, no, no, no. That that is different. If if you if you bought an FN five seven, I yes. know somebody that actually has an FN five seven. Yeah. Generally speaking, most people that use it mm-hmm. buy actual. FN 5.7 MO. Mm-hmm. The 5.7 MO has got an actual very particular coating on the cartridge itself. That's why you don't see a lot of information about reloading it because reloading it is very particular. I, I've you heard. You cannot take 5.7 brass mm-hmm. and run it in your tumbler no. and then reload it and then use it. You can. You can try. It's most likely going to fail. Really? And it, there's a coating on it to help the cartridge chamber in the chamber. Really? So without that coating you'll start to run into issues and problems of it chambering. You also got to be very, very particular about the way you reload it because a little bit of yes. too much powder. That's what I've heard. Is going to cause you. I can make anything run. run. I'm telling you right now, I, I, I would try, I would take a people stab at reloading it. it. I don't think people it's that it. intimidating. People do it and people have absolute success with it. But to the reloader that has just started reloading mm, and you have mm. an FN 5.7, yeah. it is not the cartridge you want to learn on. I, I, I got I gotta admit, um, you know, I've looked at the numbers and yeah, it, it's it's not it's not that it can't be done. It, it's just, you know what, you gotta be careful. Just a little bit too much powder and you can have, you know, it's already a high pressure cartridge. Basically, if you don't know what the 5.7 cartridge is, it's Maybe like five, it's five six. It's it's it, shrink. It's just yeah, it's it's like somebody threw five five six in the dryer too long and it shrunk a little bit. And 
they can fit it into a handgun. It's cool though because it moves out at like something ridiculous, like twenty two hundred feet per second or two thousand feet per second. It's That's it's it's a really fast, light moving, small bullet. And uh, Ruger has just come out with a new uh, pistol, the Ruger 5.7 or 50, Ruger 57. I actually got to talk to you about this before we call it, call it quits. I saw this thing down at Fishing World and I was so kind of excited to see it because I've always liked the idea of the FN. I like the P90 uh, made by FN. I like the cartridge because, because it's a flat shooting little round and it's supposed to have ridiculously high velocities and that's what I had heard about it. But I wasn't thrilled uh, as, as usual. Um, FN, although they make fantastic guns, reliable guns, really uh, amazingly, uh, you know, like great performance pieces, but they're always a little odd looking. Have you noticed that about FN? They, they sometimes make the most amazing guns, but they do look a little different. And had, uh, FN, long, FNS long slide nine mil. Uh, I also had the 40 in it. Uh, yeah. I got rid of the 40 fast with the blank and ice because I hate the recoil on it. Yeah. Um, that was a normal looking dollar gun. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I really didn't mind it. It, it shot really well. Um, it had a really nice trigger on it for a striker fire gun. Um, looked like a typical handgun. It didn't look yeah. odd or weird or stupid in any way. It had a big-ass fucking trigger guard on it, so if you had gloves on, you could easily operate yep. it. It liked to go full auto from time to time when you ran it hot. And <laughs> uh, it, it was a good gun. Um some of their guns, yeah, like the the, F, the FN7 is definitely an odd looking gun. Um, the polymer look of it doesn't help it at all either. Uh, what also makes it odd is because it's a 5.7. So the yeah. grip on it is longer yeah. than your typical grip. Kind of like the Kunan and the Grizzly. It's just, it makes it look odd looking. And then they start putting these curves and rounds and edges to it that just don't suit. They're... They're, oh, what was the FNX? I like the FNX. I, you know what? I really like those. All right. Oops, hold on. Yeah, just the microphone there for a second. Hey, oh, yeah, I got to talk right into it there. Oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're fade. Yeah. Hey. Um, no, no, no. You know, I was, I was just going to say the FN, the FN 5.7 has never really appealed to me, although I know it's a great gun, but this Ruger 57 comes through. And honestly, I really, do, I was really digging this pistol. And, See, and I gotta Google this shit. You haven't you haven't seen it yet? Uh, it's 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 no. honestly it, it's it's for the first time in a while. I, I think I want to own a polymer gun. I I actually really like the trigger pull on it, and that it's got those high vis sights, it's got cutouts in the slide. It does remind me a lot of like your X5 in some respects, but it's a cooler looking gun uh, than than I'm used to seeing. And it's coming uh, coming out of that company. It was really a surprise to see Ruger kind of throw this entry out there, and uh, I don't. Uh, course own uh five seven pistol yet so i'm, I'm eyeballing it it's coming in at uh, somewhere under a thousand bucks at fishing world and it's uh, it's calling my name you know it's still an odd looking gun it, you see it that's an odd looking gun. yeah you know what you gotta you gotta see it in life dude i'm telling you right now i i saw the pictures and i wasn't uh really really looking forward to it until i saw it in real life and i went you know what it's actually kind of cool and i had a couple people ask me questions about the grip I'm liking it. It's uh, it's looking like an interesting piece. I may have to snap myself uh, one of these up. Actually, I was uh, two years ago. I was thinking about buying one. Yeah. And my buddy bought one, so I've I've, I've had hands-on experience with it. Um, what with an FN? This uh, this Ruger, yeah. this Ruger, this Ruger just came out like about yeah. That, that yeah. FN he has. It was yeah. one of those. Oh, I remember. He, that, just, he just I got his license, and now he's yeah. all, like hot and horny to, and he, to just buy everything he could buy, buy, right. buy, buy, buy. And that was one of the ones that he bought. Um, 
So he bought it before I actually got the idea to, or I had the idea of buying it. Then he bought it. Then I used it. Then I'm like, I'm not buying this. Um, yeah. And not just, just because of the reloading aspect. Yeah. That's the reason I will buy it. Yeah. Um, to, to be having to be that particular about reloading. The only time I want to be that particular about reloading is when I'm doing my long range, long shit. range stuff. Yeah. Typically, uh, I got a Dylan XL650. Uh, it's set up to run 9 mil. It's set up to run 45. And I just pick up range brass and I look at the chart. I go, oh, full power for 9 mil. Send it. Yeah. Full power for 45. Send yeah. it. I don't test it. I don't try it. I just go full power and I just shoot the damn shit. Yeah. Uh, and it works. And I don't have to think about it. There's no thought process. I just make the machine, do its job. It does its job yeah. and I shoot it. That stuff is way too involved for a handgun. It's way too particular. Every and every round's like a little miniature rifle round. Yeah. Right. So and, 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 and it's like a little miniature bomb. Yeah. And, 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 and if you do, yeah, if you do, if you do it wrong, you screw it up. You know, you know, the lot will lose a finger by accident. Uh, I've definitely seen my fair share of blown up handguns over the years, but usually that those kinds of uh, incidents come hot on the heels of people telling me that while well, I was reloading till four in the morning, and that was after a couple of pops. And it's like, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, don't do that. Right. So, so for the people out there that are thinking about getting into hand loading, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to showing you guys how to do that or at least getting you started. It's, yeah. uh, you, it, uh, you, you get into hand loading and you have one of those like long night moments and you wake up in the morning and you read and you look at the ammo that you made and you go, I'm not sure. Huh? <laughs> um, and you got to unload it all. What was, what, what, what was I doing last night? Yeah. Um, you should take it apart right now and throw it all in the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you probably won't even know what actual powder you put in that damn thing. You know, so if you don't know what that powder is. It's not like you can look at it and be all like, Oh look, that's tight group. Oh look. That's CFE pistol. Oh look, that's H one thousand because it all looks the fucking same. There, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there definitely have been some times when you know you get you get to uh, moving along with your progressive and you realize um, that you ran out of powder probably about 20, 20 rounds ago or twenty pulls on the arm ago and you look up and you go, oh damn, when did that run out? Yeah, no problem. And- <laughs> a little device that goes. And makes the most god awful scream. Oh, do you got the sound? alert? No. Oh, oh, see, you know, I, I've never gotten the alert, but I, I, I probably should because everybody at some point no, in their no, life has best. looked at a pile of bullets and you don't know which ones now have no powder, which is a problem. See, so, no. how? Start shaking. Start shaking. Yeah. Well, for, for pistol rounds like nine, it becomes really difficult. For everybody out there that says just put it on the scale, I can tell you that brass, no, brass, oh, brass, oh, brass, and, and and projectiles can somehow. Uh, uh, sometimes that, that, have variations in the weight. More questions than you. Yeah, want. don't start weighing them. You'll get pissed off. Better to take them all apart. And of course, it, it sucks when you've got like ten loose rounds buried in a pile of say fifty, and you don't know, you know, which ones are which. And it's like, oh, I got to take all of them apart. And that's a slow, kind of tedious process yeah, of using the kinetic hand. We've all done it. Everybody's done it you, at some you point. Put, you put the round in the chamber. Click. Oh man, that was a dud. I've never had a dud before. Yeah. You wait. Then you unchamber it and go, 
Where's the bullet? Yep, it's halfway. It's halfway down the barrel. <laughs> okay, was I sleeping when this damn thing went bang? Cause I don't remember it going bang, but there's no damn. And and that's the real danger if there is any at all in reloading. I always tell people you can screw everything up as long as you know that you've got the right amount of powder. And if you if you measure your powder correctly and you keep an eye on your powder, and as long as you know that powder drops every single time you pull that handle, then you're going to be fine. Because if you don't put any powder in it, the primer alone has enough power to project that uh that that bullet just a little bit down the barrel and if you happen to make the mistake of not identifying when you hear that sound of a squib which is really you know unique it just goes boop and some people will you know immediately think for a second about chambering the next round behind it uh i've stopped a couple of people over the years yeah, it's, I, it's, you know non-experienced people i've had a i've had a ton of squibs. yeah tons. oh yeah squibs happen but but when you don't recognize it and or if you're shooting really fast you know that can be a problem because you know if you're you know unlucky enough to chamber a live round behind a bullet that's lodged halfway down your barrel you'll find out real fast how uh, exciting oh, things can wow. get <laughs> You're going to have a nice trip to the hospital. Yeah. I, I, you know, if you're lucky enough to do it with uh, something small. I remember I had I had a double charge in a 40 once that blew the grips right off a gun. I, See, like I've, I've, had, <laughs> I've had many squibs. Yeah. Uh, I've obviously caught every one of them because we are having this conversation right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, the person that's got to be careful is the fast shooter, not necessarily the slow shooter. Because yeah. if you're shooting slow... You you can pick up on it very quickly because yeah. it's just like oh click, yeah oh nothing happened yeah and then you go to rack the slide you know to either clear it out or yep. check what the hell happened and obviously the case is going to come flying out and you'll generally see the case come out yeah when the case comes out oh look there's no bullet in it yeah oh that's a problem yeah oh okay we gotta check the barrel oh look there's a round oh ding you know yep I can't I can't see it's, sunlight it's there's a problem it's out not a big deal yep it's the guy that's shooting quick. The guy that's shooting quick, depending on, like, I find it easier with ARs than mm. I do with handguns. Handguns, any squib that I've had with a handgun, the bullet has only gone into the chamber, like, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And then when you go to send the next round, it doesn't allow the gun to go into full battery. Mm. And that instantly makes you go, what the fuck? Yeah. And then you, you know, you go to unchamber it and you go, why didn't that go in? And then yeah. you look down the chamber and go, oh, oh, Okay there's something inside of there uh ars it's a lot more dangerous yeah uh because it is a lot easier for that little two two three round yeah to go down the barrel than it is for a 45 to go down the barrel yeah. and it is very easy to chamber another round after that squib so the problem that people get is they start running an ar quick bang 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 all of a sudden dead trigger they do that automatic oh tap it rack bro we gotta go we gotta go we yep. gotta go and they tap boom but they don't notice that cartridge come flying out didn't have a bullet in the end of it yep. and they send the next round down inside and it actually goes in the battery and yeah. then you pull that trigger you got eye-opening experience for me i have this natural tendency just after training and training when it's happened in my hours it's happened a couple of times where i've pulled the trigger it went click and sure i tap I rack and I'm running it quick. But when I go to rack, I have a tendency to flip my gun sideways. Yeah. And when I chamber, when I go to like dechamber that round, yeah. that case comes flying out. My eyes are on that case. 
mm. when it's flying out. I always pay attention to the case when it's flying out. Mm. And when that case comes flying out, if I didn't see a bullet in that yeah. bitch, <laughs> the finger is way away from that trigger. That charging handle doesn't drop. It gets yeah. locked open. We're cracking it open and we're checking that chamber to make sure that, that bullet has actually not been stuck inside. And most of the times it's stuck inside and you're all like, yeah, yeah man, I'm glad it didn't chamber that bitch. Yeah, you know what? Usually you, what happens to me, the bullet's halfway down the goddamn barrel. If you if you've if you've ever seen a catastrophic detonation, uh it's exciting, right? It's definitely, you know, to watch to watch a, a firearm kind of blow in half. <laughs> you oh, know, right? And the magazine comes shooting straight down. And I have been to the range the day after it's yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, we were doing like a CQB shoot and I show up to the range. I got to put my bag down on the table and yeah. I look down at the floor and there's this massive brown circle mark on the floor. And I'm, looking <laughs> down, I'm like, all right. Yeah, there, that's where it happens. That's old dry ass blood, man. And there's a lot of it there. Yeah. Right? Like what the fuck happened? Crime scene. find out that, uh, that this actually happened. Um, a guy had gone to the range. Yeah. And he had, I'm trying to remember this correctly, he mixed the powder. Oh, no. He thought he was using his uh, handgun powder. Yeah. And he was actually using rifle powder. Oh, no. Or, no. Sorry. Oh, the, the, the other way around. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the other yeah. way around. He thought he was using rifle powder, Ooh. but he charged it with yeah. handgun powder. And for those that don't know anything about reloading... You do not need a lot of handgun powder to make a bullet move, whereas you need a lot of rifle powder yeah. to make a bullet it, it, move. It, so instead of charging a case with, say, 25 grains of X rifle powder, yeah. he used 25 grains of X oh my God. pistol powder. Oh, my God. Which you <laughs> need to understand that even if you're running, like, 44 magnum you don't use 25 grains of rifle powder and 25 grains of rifle powder is typically what we would run in at five five six That's round it. this is this is you know he I, pulled the trigger on that oh thing and God. the gun literally exploded and it pepper sprayed his face Ooh. and i saw pictures and yeah. it was gross and blood pretty much just covered everywhere and it's not to scare the shit out of people but it is to scare the shit out of people to well, you, this isn't to scare you out of reloading. It's just this is what we mean by you need to be safe. Yeah. Well, you you need to know you need to know what you're working with. You need to, uh, you, 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 you you need need to do the reading. Research. I always tell people watch right? your YouTube videos. Yep. Well, the, you know what? For 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 people out there, I always say uh, cross reference your data with I know I know right you got to cross reference your data with known sources so like I said the hand loaders right don't yeah you know what like there are old hand loaders and there are bold hand loaders I could tell you right now I've seen my fair share of old guys just making their own kind of concoctions up oh man I just measure the powder I take the freaking I take the brass I scoop it up with the brass and I flick it out a little bit and then I shove a bullet inside you know it's it's kind of frightening to think send it boom Right, but the idea though that somebody would load a, a casing with pistol powder, oh god! It, but it is easy to tell the difference between the two. Um, you know, when you're buying Sometimes. it, it's well. But you know what though? Like once, once, once you start loading, what you begin to do is you begin to get really organized. And I always tell people, you know, you, you, if, you if, if you if you have a powder you drop, loading bench. If you have a powder drop, then you you know, you've got a pound of powder. Put it next to it and or label uh, your powder drop with the current powder that's in it because that's the mistake I see a lot. Of people making is they 
put powder inside the powder drop. They put away their powder. If they have several types of powder and then they leave their powder drop for, say, you know, a month or two, they forget what powder was in it. And then you don't know. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it can get kind of exciting. I, I usually got to do like the, like the, the detective research on my do sometimes because <laughs> I haven't reloaded in like six months. Yep. And I go over and be all like, shit, shit. <laughs> what powder is that? Yep. And I'd be like, there's, there's no container. Why did I throw the container in the garbage? Yeah, yeah. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I might not use all this. It could go back in the container. Okay, so it does force you to get organized. What dyes are in the press right now? Yeah, you can you can figure it out. Right? Oh. What? Why? Why are there three sets of dyes on the table? There's two different types of brass. Shit. Yep. Hmm. It does. Should for- I just throw this in the garbage? It, it forces you to get organized. There's definitely, like I said, there's definitely a, uh, a relaxing kind of uh, element to it, and I would recommend that anybody try it. Uh, I hope we haven't scared everybody off of doing it, but it's uh, it's definitely nah, a lot of fun. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's just like it's like anything else. I think I think if you follow instruction correctly, you won't have any problems. And if as long as you keep things straight and organized, uh, you'll be fine. And it can be actually really a rewarding pastime. Oh, and for, for the ones that. Get into it it's it's really simple exactly how it goes down it's really simple you're all like oh i gotta go get brass you get the brass i need to get yeah. bullets i get the bullets i need to get powder i get the powder i need to get primers I get the primers yeah. okay i got all like a bonus okay now i've just watched fifty thousand youtube videos all right i know what i'm doing and then you go and you do it and then you go to the range and you're like yeah man made my own ammo first time using it and then you're gonna put it in the gun and then either it's a handgun you're gonna pick it up and you're gonna aim and then you're gonna go shit yeah <laughs> Did I do this right? <laughs> and then your fingers on the trigger, and you're all like, "I'm gonna pull it! I'm gonna pull it! I'm gonna! I'm gonna!" Ooh. First time, first time, first okay, time. Okay, so if this goes all wrong, yeah. Okay, my hand, my face is behind the slide. Well, maybe if I just <laughs> move my head off to the side, so that if something goes catastrophically wrong, the slide will go past my head. It's true. That first time you pull the off. trigger is so nerve wracking. I tell you, and everybody's the like, same. This is how I'm going to pull the first shot. And this is exactly what you're going to do. Unless you got King Kong sized balls. Yeah. And then you pull the fucking trigger and it goes off and nothing bad happened. And then you're all like, bruh. Yep. You made your own ammo. <laughs> and then you just start sending rounds on. Like you just don't give a shit. Oh yeah. Okay. More. I love it. Right. That that's, you know, anybody who I've ever introduced to it, uh, really enjoys it. It's uh, definitely gratifying. Honestly, I, I've, I've shot how many handloads at yeah. this freaking point. I made my first 338 round. I got behind the rifle and I'm all like, this is a brand new rifle. And it's definitely ammo. I've never ran before. Um, um, did I do everything right? And I won't lie, I actually got up off the rifle, moved my face off to the side. It was on. Oh yeah, yeah. And I pulled the trigger. The gun made a big bang, and I was all like, "Why did I do that?" Yeah, you gotta have a little faith in yourself, brother. All right. Uh, I I know I know for a fact. Um, everybody out there is probably getting tired of listening to you and I. We're running up on two hours. That's about all it's the juice. Yeah, I know. I know. I gotta get. I gotta get back. I gotta That's get back I to Brian, to and so I definitely bad. gotta give Sammy a call. But you know what, though, I'm uh, gonna call this one. We're coming up on two hours, and I can't wait to talk to you about political events. That'll be the next podcast oh, we fuck, do. Shoot, all right. Don't. Yeah, I know. I won't dig into it now because we got places to be. But anyway, I want to thank. Thank you for coming out. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank always you so fun much. Being around. Awesome, buddy. Well, folks, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and Instagram. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.